Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Kill Connor Club podcast, not live this time, pre-recorded. The last one for 2015, which is amazing, it's been huge, I mean the podcast really technically officially started this year, and it's just, it's grown and grown and grown and it's been so amazing, and we've got very, very special guest Luma here with us today for the final episode, which I know James and I are super excited about it. And I mean, at this point, Loom, you're like the last remaining, you know, one of those big Assassin's Creed community members that I used to watch that kind of inspired me personally to make a channel from the beginning. Wow. You're like the godfather of the Assassin's Creed community in a way, I, I guess. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks so much. I don't know if I'd go that far, but that's cool to hear. I appreciate it. And like, I'm really happy to be here. I do want to make a note really quickly. I am a pro-Connor person. Oh Connor Lord. fan, just wanna. <laughs> Connor, stop the po- stop the podcast. Yeah. Stop this. Being on this podcast does not endorse the the title of it. Just pointing that out. But yes, that's cool. right. So, yeah, no, I'm happy here. <laughs> I think I think the funny thing is for lots of you know because I know a lot of people love Connor. I mean, plenty of people that listen to this love Connor. Um, yeah. It's it kind of like new people to the to the podcast get really upset. They're like, "Why is it called this? I love Connor." And I'm like, "We don't actually, you know." it's not a thing we hate connor it's just kind of like a joke you know so yeah i mean and i got that from one of the other podcasts i think and it was i know i understand it i just want to make sure yeah see, i'm on the kill connor podcast i just want to point out i'm a big big proponent of connor yes yes i know noah watts wouldn't be happy yeah <laughs> would have been a very different interview with noah watts if i wasn't a fan of connor but yeah. yes he does. i'm not sure if he's a big fan of us i'm not sure if he likes us too much but i mean We'll, we'll try to get him on one day. That'll be great. That'll be amazing. Yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting, yeah. <laughs> so you've... I mean, your podcast, Luma, The Assassin's Den, I mean, man, it's massive. I remember the the size of it when you got Roger Craig Smith on. I was checking that the other day. That has hundreds of thousands of views on it. You know, I mean... Oh, yeah. How does it feel like you have the biggest Assassin's Creed podcast, number one, you know, in the world? Yeah, I guess so. And it, well, it's it's also kind of weird because I mainly put it out on YouTube, so it's um, it's kind of weird to have like a YouTube only podcast, kind of. But I, yeah, sometimes it's kind of crazy when I look back and I see like all the people um, that I've interviewed and everything, and just it's you know because you kind of take it step by step. But when you kind of look back at the whole of it, even though I don't upload podcast episodes as nearly as much as I want to, um, because they take a decent amount of time to set up and record yeah. and edit as I'm sure you guys know yes um, and in the midst of all my other like video stuff I want to do for the channel like I'm always lacking for more time but like even with the time I have had and the guests I have had it's just it is really crazy for me to kind of look back every once in a while and just be like super grateful that I've had the opportunity to chat with so many like people that I really admire and um, that kind of inspire me in a lot of ways and you know just as a fan obviously it's also kind of <laughs> dream come true for a lot of these people too you know yeah it's i really mean cool. you've had the who's who of the assassin's creed you know developers <laughs> and actors and stuff on the on the podcast i mean we we had victoria yeah. atkin on a couple months ago and i know james and i were literally yeah. like fanboying the fuck out <laughs> i saw that that was really cool yeah victoria seems super awesome I'm, yeah, and, <laughs> she's she's and, so cool. Yeah, she she was really great, and I mean, like you said, man, it takes so long to set that stuff up, and I mean, you managed yeah. to get all these people on. So I mean, I know as an Assassin's Creed community member, I thank you for all that hard work as well, because I mean, years of listening to that's been you know, it's it's come a long long way. 
Oh, thanks. I mean, it's really great to hear that people like it's it's <laughs> it definitely makes it easier with all the work and everything to hear when people really enjoy it. So thanks a lot. Oh, no worries at all. So, James, what we wanted to talk to. Yeah, James, I want to talk to you mainly about Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Obviously, sure. the, new, the new game. Um, do you, James has put his review out and stuff. And, you know, I've yet to. I will soon. At some point. Um, but what were your overall <laughs> thoughts with Syndicate? Especially after the debacle that was uh, Unity. <laughs> well, um, no, I really enjoy Syndicate. Um, it's probably in my top three um, for Assassin's Creed games. I've started to... You know, I was just listening to the Animus Island podcast where they were trying to place where Syndicate is in the thing. And they were talking about how it's hard to kind of rank each one, like enumerate them. Um, within a list, and so I've kind of started to separate them into like the good ACs and the bad ACs almost. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, one pile has like Unity 3 and 1, which, you know, all of them have their strengths, but overall they're not, they're different from the set that includes 2, 4, and like Syndicate and Brotherhood and like Rogue and all that. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I, it. It was as good as I had hoped pretty much, actually a little better. Um, I wasn't as pessimistic, I think, as other people because I... Uh, like, uh, well, I mean, maybe not some of the other fans, but I think some of the general populace, because, uh, you know, it's it's almost like this pattern that they have where the bad Assassin's Creed games tend to kind of be too ambitious and it usually comes with a new engine, like an engine rewrite and like they try to do too many things. And then when they iterate on that is when you get like the good Assassin's Creed's like AC4 coming off of AC3 and then Syndicate off of Unity. I'm not the first person to point this out, like almost this like cycle. It's like the even numbered Star Treks or something <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, so I was really overall really impressed with it. And I think one of the things that surprised me how much that I... I mean, there were actually a lot of really pleasant surprises in Syndicate. There's some stuff in there that obviously I still wish they would improve on. But, like, I think just having a really solid city with London, and that's partly because with the wider streets and everything, it just looks... I mean, it's a whole bunch of factors that come into it, but the city feels absolutely alive and wonderful and immersive in a way that unity just never was and for me personally like the british accents thing in unity did more to break my immersion than like anything else in there because you couldn't walk down the street like more than five feet before you and it's like french 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 and then some guards like oh you what are you doing walking around here like and like or like the fucking like like ladies like oi that's not yours it's mine help help like and it's just like what the fuck this is not paris like why are they british like i and I know there's like a spectrum and like some people it doesn't bother them at all. And then you'd probably have me on the other end of the spectrum where it just absolutely shatters everything. And it just makes me angry every time it happens. And so, yeah. So, like I said, there's a lot of factors that go into it. One of the nice things is that they can all have British accents and it's not out of place. But also just they did a beautiful job recreating the city. The wide streets give it a, a, a way different feel than a lot of the other AC games. And... Um, like there's just so much going on around in the like they I think they have more NPC like stuff going on as well and the carriages I, I just love all that and the Thames also like I could just keep going on and on but I think that that was the thing that probably surprised me the most is how much I love this city and how well they nailed it I think um, really if you can create like a really immersive atmosphere in an AC game for me like I can forgive a lot of other things honestly <laughs> yeah 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 I. I think I felt the same about uh, 
about London because I was very cynical leading into it. After Unity, oh God, I, you were. I, I was just like, fuck all this. I was just so like, I, there wasn't much. I did because I wasn't a fan of the setting of Victorian London. I am now. They won me over, and I think it was mainly due to how immersive London was as a city. Yeah. Whereas prior, it, I was very concerned and just super cynical about it. And James is telling me, you know. Oh, it might be good. It might be good. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Turns, out, <laughs> turns out James was right. But yeah, well, I mean, like, um, sorry, real quick. Like one thing that I always try to like, that, that always kind of comes to mind when I'm thinking about the next game is like one of the developers told me like a couple of years ago, um, basically that, you know, every Assassin's Creed game has the opportunity to be like, you know, a good one or a bad one. And, it, and on the surface, it sounds like kind of like a, you don't say like type, quote or something but like but <laughs> what goes behind it is like you know there's so many factors that go into these games just even beyond how long they spend on the game and what the early release cycle is like even beyond that there's just so many factors that go into it that it's really you can't it's really difficult to use um kind of past games as a predictor of future ones and mm. you know every studio and team is going to bring something different and they're going to be working with whatever the circumstances are at the time. And it's just, so I, I always choose to go into like all of these kind of um, no thinking that and then leaning towards the optimistic side. And yeah, it's <laughs> sometimes, you know, unity happens, but then sometimes syndicate happens. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something that I wanted to ask was uh, me and Tyler both kind of, when they um, showed the rope launcher, we were both kind of like, skeptical about it and know what uh, thought, but like what, what what are your thoughts on the rope launcher uh well I, I i mean i i could see beforehand even before the game came out like that it's necessary because of the wide streets and the really tall buildings like you need something to help you navigate that if you tried to navigate it like yeah. unity i think it would just be really really frustrating um i think it plays really well it's really uh, there's something of there's really little subtle things about it that make it just feel really nice to me like the just the right amount of um, controller vibration when you fire it, and then just um, the animations about how they make them kind of, uh, kind of as they're climbing up, they'll stop at various points and jump off, like signs that stick out of the building and stuff like that. Like all of that really helps. At the same time, it is like uh, it's one of those things that's just so fantastical, and especially in their implementation of it, like the times when you're sliding up at like 45 degree angles <laughs> and stuff and stuff, and it's just like. Yeah, no, no. Like, let's not even pretend that's remotely possible in any sort of way whatsoever. And and so it's kind of one of those times when I'm like, oh, like I, I just wish they'd. I, I like how it plays. Um, I like. I, I think it's something like it was necessary. I wish they had put a little more effort into kind of explaining this. And I was talking about this a little bit before the game came out, where I was a little worried that Quebec seems to... One of my big worries about Quebec Studio, who have impressed me in a lot of ways with Syndicate, um, but like with the with some of the things they'd worked on previously, especially Tyranny of King Washington, they seem to kind of ignore um, kind of... They, they seem to just throw gameplay solutions in and not care too much about the explanation behind them. When I feel like that's like a really big part of the brand, at least that I remember, like, from the first three games, like, the Patrice games, basically, where everything had, like, some explanation for it. And even the more fantastical stuff um, could be explained by science and by, mm. like, the Animus and Pieces mm. of Eden and stuff. So even when you have something like the Hidden Gun in AC2, which is stretching the, you know, kind of 
bounds of believability probably um it's at least like oh well you know it's based on like first civ um designs basically and fucking leonardo da vinci had to make it like from altair's yeah. schematics or whatever mm. uh, the rope launcher i was like okay i just hope that they like kind of if they can just kind of throw some token explanation like it'll be enough for me and i was a little disappointed to feel like oh yeah it's like this fucking random gang member had one i guess i'll just pick that up and <laughs> all right yeah and oh yeah alexander graham bell made me another one like <laughs> it's just like oh come on like this is yeah like the, there's a yeah. lot of aspects of it that just are not realistic at all to the, like i mean the series has never been about total realism but it always had like some explanation and stuff and i feel like it's kind of losing that aspect of it a little bit. So that kind of makes me sad. But other than that, I like how it, how it played and um, yeah. used it. It's tough. You know, to... oh, go, so, something, something that, because this is like, I, I noticed it. I'm not like, obviously this was completely irrelevant at this point. But you know those, you know those first ever leaks that we got of like the target yeah. gameplay that was like last year <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah. There was images that showed the like the rope launcher, but it was more of like a, like a, I don't even know what you call it, like a grappling hook. Grappling kind of thing? hook, like, like that you would yeah, swing. Yeah, like across. swing. It was, yeah, yeah. it was totally different. Like it was not a. Well, I think it still had the thing where you could like shoot it and jump up, but there was no. Like, I don't think there was any kind of like zipline functionality yeah. shown. And then, of course, in the final game, you can't swing on it like you, it's shown in the screenshot. And so, yeah, yeah. Would you um, guys have preferred a uh, grappling hook kind of thing and having a hook blade come back? Uh, you mean like something you swing on and in addition to a revelation style hook blade? Well, yeah, I guess just for the just for the slightly more realistic sense, maybe you could have the gun that shoots it and it lands like that, but yeah. then you jump on it with a hook blade instead. Mm. I guess it's just uh, maybe. tough going upwards. I don't know. I it's yeah, I think it's there's there's no real way around the fact that it plays. It's well, hard to imagine yeah. it playing any better in any any other thing. So I don't know. It's I think I would have just been happier if they had just kind of made some kind of token gesture towards being like, okay, we know this is like unrealistic, but here's our kind of like explanation for it that look, let's all just, <laughs> let's all just be real here. This would be a very difficult game to play if we didn't have this. So yeah. let's just pretend it's first sip technology and like, let's just yeah. go with this. But instead they're just like, oh yeah, this random gang member is just walking around with it and nobody seems to remark on how insane it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, you know. the crazy thing about Syndicate, and I said this before the game came out, and it's because I, I was cynical about the rope launch, I was cynical about those um, the electric bombs and stuff, but the only reason I was was because I'm happy for it to be unrealistic if they want to go in that direction with the whole game, but it yeah. seemed just so hypocritical from Ubisoft in a sense because one minute they're saying we want it to be you know immersive and realistic to the setting so you can't have a hood on but you have electric yeah. bombs that don't damage you and and it kills everyone around you you also have a rope launcher and you can go invisible like I'm like mm, yeah. okay yeah I'm, I'm even, confused even, about even, the direction here <laughs> even the hood thing doesn't seem realistic to me like as soon as you like you can never just walk around with the hood and th this is I mean that ties into what I was saying earlier about what I was worried about um, which is like, it seems like, you know, I, I did an interview with uh, Mark Alexi Cote, who is the creative director, and we were talking about that at E3, and he was like, oh yeah, but it's like a really good, um, like, visual feedback, like that you are in stealth mode or you are not in stealth mode. <laughs> like, you have to hood up. You know. Yeah, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, ah, yes. I mean, he's absolutely right, right? Like, it is really good visual feedback. You know, they have the hood on and you're in stealth or you don't and you're not. But it's like, 
uh, it's at the expense of like any like kind of immersion type aspects. And that's what I was talking about, like with, you know, Tyranny King Washington had a bunch of things like that. The rope launcher, Eevee's chameleon ability, like are all like play well, but they just don't. It's hard for me as a fan of the first three games where everything was given like a really thorough explanation, including the more gamey elements of, of the game, like respawning the HUD is all explained by the analyst. Like I like when it's, when games go out of their way to kind of, um, you know, to, uh, kind of explain things that aren't even uh, necessary to, like most other games don't even bother with. And I think that's dropped off, whether or not it's because Patrice left, but after he left, certainly I feel like a lot of that's dropped off and that makes me sad because I, I really enjoyed that initially. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I, I was worried about all those things and they still bother me, but the strengths of the game, like I said, if they can create like a really immersive like city and stuff, then I can more easily forgive a lot of the other stuff. So it mostly worked out. These are like the quibbles I have with the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you know something that I was actually just thinking, which you know the the like abilities that Connor had in the Tyrannic in Washington? Yeah. Were those ever explained? Like what was because it wasn't like this is like an alternate universe where this stuff can happen because it was literally just a universe where King Washington got the apple. So those things still shouldn't like what was what the what was that? Yeah, that that always kind of bothered me too because the the vision, the shared dream vision or universe or whatever you want to call it, I don't think it's ever really been fully explained. Whatever you want to call it, it's still based on the same like physics and whatever of our real world. It's not like suddenly there's magic in this world. And so it seemed really weird to me. Um, and like, I, I don't know, it's hard for me to really say this, like, <laughs> it feels really weird for me to say this since I'm not Native American, but it actually felt like slightly racist to me almost to be like, <laughs> oh, and then he's going to go drink the magic tea and it's going to give him superpowers. And by the way, everyone speaks English now, even though we made a big deal about everyone speaking Mohawk when AC3 came out. Like, and like, I just don't, uh, it was just really weird. It's, I, I, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of a lot of stuff of Tyranny King Washington, um, even though I know some fans really like it. Like, I didn't, wasn't a fan of how they handled the story. I thought the powers were interesting from a gameplay perspective, but, like, f had no place in the AC universe. And, I don't know, it... Felt pointless? These were a lot of things... A little bit pointless. It's almost <laughs> like you could... Uh, you know, kind of echoes of maybe of Unity's modern day, and it's like, oh, I guess nothing really matters because it's like, oh no, George Washington has an apple, and then nothing ha happened in the real world or whatever, right? Kind of, except now that they have these memories, but they don't focus on how that affects Connor. They only show how it affects Washington, and I'm like, I don't give a shit about Washington. Like, <laughs> one, I like I, I care about the assassin. That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But like. These were the things that really worried me going in, and luckily, like nothing that major is like there in Syndicate, like enough to like spoil the game for for me personally, anyways. So, but yeah, I, it's it's tricky. I don't know. Well, that's good um, segue into what comes out this coming week, which is Jack the Ripper DLC <laughs> for Assassin's Creed that. Syndicate. Yeah. Um. What do you what do you what do you think going into this? Because I'm super confused. I'm sitting here like, is this gonna be? I mentioned this to James. I was like, is this gonna be another Tyranny of King Washington? It's kind of like some weird alternate universe because there's this now magic fear gas and stuff. Like, I'm kind of confused oh, about I where they're going with this. I don't think so. I I would be very very surprised if that were the case. It, it looks like it's just, um, you know, it's it's purporting to be history, although with like some slightly exaggerated elements. Like, you know, Syndicate had you know voltaic lightning bombs that 
nobody in Victorian London was actually walking around with. Also, a rope launcher. Like, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so, no, I, I personally don't think it's going to be an, an alternate reality thing. I am just really, I, I have really conflicted feelings about it, and I'm, I really want to see how they handle it in the game. I'm, I'm mostly concerned about just the premise and the writing, because Jack the Ripper is, I mean, this is one of the most, this is the most recent time period for, like, a historical um, not not counting like the comic books with like Nikolai and all that, but like as far as like what you play, this is like really recent. It's you know 130 years ago. It's not that far away. Like there are people who have you know great grandparents that were around during that time and everything. And it's just I Jack the Ripper. Like when you look into the like at least the five murders that people usually canonically like link with him is such such a disgusting character and i really it Mm. the thing that worries me about this is just kind of this general like fascination that the media and like a lot of the public seems to have with almost with making really horrible people infamous and i just like he did some really disgusting things to the prostitutes and women like that he murdered and i uh, you know, it's. I, I have really conflicted feelings about, uh, you know, making a game around it. And like I said, we'll have to see how it's handled. But like you see in the trailer, like they're giving him a voice and like making him a whole character. And it's like almost. And they seem to indicate that he has like ties to the assassins in some way or another. And like I just. It, 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 I don't know what they're going to try to explain about him, but it just. I, I feel like people like Jack the Ripper deserve to don't deserve to have um, stuff like this made I, for the. Like, I don't know. I see what you're like saying. Like I said, I have to see how it goes. I see what you're saying. Topic, we have we have a similar. I don't know if you guys, you know, as an Australian, I don't know if you know about um, the one of the most famous or infamous Australians to ever live was a man named Ned Kelly. And it was around mm. the 1880s as well, around the time of Jack the Ripper, he was a bushranger and he killed police officers and stuff. And some people call him, you know, the biggest, greatest Australian hero of all time. Some people call him, you know, some brutal murderer. And lots of people don't like, you know, that he gets, um, you know, like you said, infamous or he, you know, he gets kind of promoted in a film about him or stuff where some yeah. people love him because they thought he was just the, you know, Aussie battler and, you know, just kind yes. of, he fought against the authority, you know, it's kind of, so I, I see what you're saying in that sense and I, and I get it because, I mean, this guy, you know, Ned Kelly didn't murder prostitutes, you know, he was, police tried to arrest him and he killed them, but this is mm. a bit different because this guy's, you know, some crazy, crazy killer. So I do see what you mean by, you yeah. know, well, you don't think he should be just... promoted or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's not just the killing, right? It's like the fact that he would like disembowel all his victims and take their organs and like he penetrated one like vaginally with like an yeah. object and she died like a day. Like, it's just like, fuck. Uh, I just, I don't like, it, it just, it, it feels too, maybe it's just because we've had like, uh, you know, I live in America where we have more shootings and like mass shootings than days in the year. Yeah, and it's fucked. like, I, I hate seeing all these people making the headlines. I wish 
that they would just fade into obscurity like they kind of observe like they kind of deserve to and so maybe it's just like in the context of that like this mm. year has been a really bad year mm. that i just really feel uncomfortable um at least just with what i've seen of like kind of i, I know they're not really trying to glorify him i don't think that's ever I don't think that's what they're going to do. It doesn't look like it's what they're trying to do. But, like, you know, kind of weaving in their using his story as, like, the backdrop. And I get it because he's, like, this really, in, like, famous, like, Victorian. He's tied to Victorian London, like, completely. And so I, I totally get it. I just, I, I'll have to see how it plays out. I Initially, I just, it, it leaves me feeling a little icky, though. I don't know. Yeah. It's just yeah. me. James has some, you have some, you get a bit touchy about this subject. I don't know why you get this more than anyone of pe- what people think, who people think Jack the Ripper is. James, you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, because he is definitely Jacob. Yep. Right. Um, you know, he wears, you know, you know, he's got the hat. Um, and no, yeah, that's it. No, yeah, he's got that. Yeah, proof is confirmed. He's Jack the Ripper. Yeah. People refuse to believe that he could be someone else. Yeah. They're just, they're so sure that he's Jacob, and I'm just so confused. The most likely thing I think I've seen is that he's, like, some apprentice of the Assassins or something. I don't, like, if they... Oh, that, I just hate that, too. Like, cause yeah, I, I, like don't, I don't think it's a two, uh, either. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they just, I, like, I hate the, the idea that they're just going to take Jack the Ripper, and they're going to be like, yeah, he's, like, tied to the Assassins, or he's a Templar, like, something like that. It's like, can you just not, like... Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, they've always put their their spin on historical people who have done awful things, you know. Uh, but I mean, it's I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's so recent, and because like I, I'm also just really interested in uh, because it's so different in tone from Syndicate. You know, Syndicate. You know, I, I just did a podcast with Jeffrey Alham, and he repeatedly was talking about how Syndicate is a buddy comedy, basically. And you know, that's why nobody. Import- Sorry, like full spoilers. I'm assuming. Yeah. Full um, but like, that's why nobody really dies besides the bad guys and like why it had such a different tone and why london is you know pretty much portrayed pretty um Positive. as a pretty nice place yeah positively and everything and then you get to Charles jack Lanes, the ripper but sure yeah, <laughs> yeah <Charles laughs> Lanes, but you're liberating them and then they go home to their whatever like <laughs> i don't streets. even know where they go <laughs> to the streets but they're certainly happier for sure um but like it seems like you go to Jack the Ripper and it's suddenly it seems like such a huge tonal shift. I'm really curious how that's going to feel. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I guess by the time this podcast is out, I think the DLC will have come out. So oh, yeah, people true. will look back on this in interest. And <laughs> it's like a <laughs> historical thing. But yeah, I don't know. It's I'm I, I'm I don't know if I've ever been as uh, apprehensive and kind of just not knowing what to expect as for a DLC as I have, as I am with this one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's, it's tough to, to tell at the moment because I mean, I mean, when the podcast out, like you said, I just realized this, I was like, everyone's going to know, but at the moment, (laughs) you know, we're just, we're just speculating on what we think. And I, I agree, but you mentioned with the whole, you know, spoilers again, you know, nobody important Uh died except the bad guys. And that was a problem I actually had with, Syndicate, I'm not a big fan of always some good guy dying or, you know, that, but yeah. I just felt... It's almost a cliche at this point, so... Yeah, yeah, I, but yeah I agree. Sorry, I just thought the only reason this game needed it was because, you know, it was the only real issue I had, like, because I thought Syndicate got all these little things right, like an immersive city, a beautiful soundtrack, um, and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, yeah. and great characters that were well-performed, and then it missed some key pillars 
of, of the story, which was um, obstacles, which was they had nothing to overcome. I, I was like, what reason do I have to get behind Jacob and Evie? They are just coming in as two younger, um, young assassins and just fucking destroying the Templars. <laughs> nothing <laughs> happens to them. They d- And they tried to do the whole, you know, Jacob kills someone, you know, Evie has to clean it up, but then Jacob's not learning from it. It's just building some yeah. tension between two characters that in the end they just talk it out. Mm. So I just thought, yeah. with when there's no obstacles, there had to be some consequences for the mistakes they've made, but there was none. Yeah, I I like the idea that um, I don't know if you guys have heard the podcast, but like initially in the podcast, Jeffrey um, that I did with Jeffrey O'Hall, the lead writer, yeah. but initially like they had the plan where the the things that Jacob would do would have much more severe consequences, like actual oh, gameplay yes. consequences and everything. Right. So it's like once you collapse the financial sector of London, like everything becomes too expensive to die. And when you disrupt the transportation to buy, it. and then when you disrupt the transportation sector, like you can't fast travel. And like, I think that'll be awesome. They, and I, yeah. And so, and then like you would, you could leave that as long as you wanted up until the final sequence. So you could oh follow God. it up immediately with Evia's stuff. Or, like, he was saying, they were thinking, like, some people would, like, the hardcore players would be like, yeah, well, I left London completely busted all the way up till sequence nine or whatever, you know, before you have to fix everything to progress to the final sequence. But, like, I, I think something like that would have left a little more weight. I do agree that it's, it feels like the tension and resolution of that tension between the twins is a, could have used a little more... Um, uh, in a little more in both of those aspects. And I was actually kind of surprised that the shroud was never used... Um, to really, uh, the only time the shroud was used was with Steric during the boss fight. Yeah. And which was kind of cool, but it also makes me wonder why they didn't just rip the shroud off of him instead of stabbing him over and over. But like, <laughs> like I, I was, ex- I was kind of expecting honestly for like, you know, Henry or one of the twins to get like severely injured, maybe not dead because the shroud can't revive the dead, but like, well, um, and also, uh, well, also in the modern day, like I, Rebecca gets shot. And she's like, the shroud. <laughs> and then Sean's like, no, 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 we need to get you out of here. I'm like, no, you need to get the fucking shroud and put it on Rebecca. Like, yes. You, uh. that, like, not only to save Rebecca, but also because then you keep it out of the head. Like, what are you doing, Sean? Like, <laughs> yes, the shroud. Like, like, I was really surprised and in a way kind of glad in some aspect that they didn't use it like that. Because it could be a really cheap moment if it's like, oh, no, and now this person's mortally wounded. And now they're all better. Like, you know, kind of like a deus ex machina type. Uh, device yeah and so I'm kind of glad they didn't use it like that but at the same time it's I don't know it it felt like there's the potential for higher stakes here and there and especially with the gameplay stuff I think that would have solved a lot of that feeling for me at least oh that gameplay stuff hearing that oh man that would have sent that game to me to another level of awesome like and believability (laughs) like seriously that could have oh man that gets me excited I think it would have really Really set it apart, I think, um, and I think it would have been it would have been a really bold move. It would have pissed a lot of players off, but I think it would have been. Oh. I, I I really really wish that they would have done it, even as I understand why Ubisoft is like, uh, we can't do that in our like multi millions like cash cow franchise that yeah. funds all of our projects. <laughs> like it's a little <laughs> bit too too radical of an idea to put in that, unfortunately, but. Yeah, well, we were talking with I was talking with Jeffrey, and we were like, like we need to have like an indie mode, like because he was saying it's more like it, like the kind of thing that you could get get away with like in an indie game. So you True. need to be able to toggle like indie mode on and off, like for these games, maybe. <laughs> it, yeah, so those bold moves that can either pay off big or 
totally yeah. screw it up. So it is tough when you've got, like you said, that multi-million dollar franchise that it's tough to gamble. And it's and if you don't have to gamble, I can understand why you wouldn't. So yeah, it does. Yeah, it, you does have to sense. strike a balance between keeping it fresh and also playing it safe, like so you don't alienate a bunch of people. And it's tough. And like. I, I don't think there's an easy answer for a company that relies on this franchise as much. I think the real answer is um, what I talked to Eve Gimo, the CEO, about. Like, someone submitted a question when I was listening questions from him about in the future, like, as these other franchises, as we build up these other franchises like Watch Dogs and Far Cry and they get more frequent releases, maybe we can reduce the financial dependency of Ubisoft on these yearly Assassin's Creed releases. Not only like reducing how often they have to come out, but maybe also. You know, allowing them to take a little more risk in in gameplay ideas that might alienate some people, but be really interesting for a lot of other people. And I hope that in the future we'll do that. We'll see. I mean, sorry, we'll do that. That they'll do that. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if it'll ever get like that, but he seemed to indicate that they were kind of looking to um, reduce their reliance on Assassin's Creed. As I'm sure <laughs> they would love to. They've got a yeah. few few more steps to make with the other franchises. I think possibly Primal's yeah. a step in the right direction. Something different especially since Far Cry 4 was so identical to 3. It's um, mm. it's nice to see... Because I was wondering what they could do with Far Cry. I'm like, where do they go? Because they kind of nailed it with Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4 was good. But I'm like, what? Yeah. How, do they, how do they move on and keep it to the same feel as, like, yeah, this is a Far Cry game? Because it's so yeah. set on being you're in this, you know, I guess primal, no pun intended, world, you know, like, no yeah. matter what time period you're in, you're in this you know, wasteland, wilderness kind of place where you've just got to survive from the land yeah. and the world you're in and use the world you're in to, you know, try to thrive no matter where you are. And I like mm -hmm. the step Primal's taking. Something I've never seen, something different. Yeah, I think that was a brilliant um, idea. to, And I think it fits within the franchise totally. They, they have a great tagline for it, which is like, survival is timeless, right? I don't yeah. know if that's the official tagline, but they... It's a good one. Um, you know, they, they had it with the teaser, like when they announced it. And it's... I, I love it. I, I would love to see more things like that in, in their other franchises. I think the obvious parallel for AC would be either like a first Civ uh, game, like Sean hinted at in AC3 or a modern day game, which we're never ever going to get. <laughs> like, oh, good. Um, good. Yeah. No, what? No. No, no I, never, I, I don't want to see it. No, I don't want to see it. Uh, I don't know. I, I know somebody out there, whether like, I've said this before, like somebody out there, whether it's Patrice or someone else, like, you know, Patrice originally was going to make like a modern day Desmond game, right? Like whether it's Patrice or someone else, someone out there has in them an amazing Assassin's Creed modern day. I don't think it's really viable like financially or maybe production-wise because you'd have to reinvent so many mechanics. But I know it exists out there and like and just it I, it drives me nuts that like we're never really like like I just know we're never really going to be able to reach out and just get it, you know what I mean? But it's it would be tricky for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah, talking about modern day. <clears throat> so, um the modern day in Syndicate and I suppose Unity as well, but Syndicate like mainly. What 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 do you think of like where they're going with it? Like, do you think we're ever going to get a return to that third person modern day gameplay? And like, also, what did you think about? Um, did you see the the thing inside oh. of Syndicate with like Desmond's son yeah. or whatever the hell was going on there? Like, what what do you think about <laughs> all of that? <laughs> Everything. <now>. Um, <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
uh, let's see. Sorry, the first question. If we ever see like another third, <laughs> <laughs> if we see another third person uh, playable thing, I think we'll eventually get there. I think it might be years. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Um, Jeffrey was talking about how they originally had uh, playable modern day little bits in Syndicate where it was like an escape sequence in one of the that turned into a cinematic, basically. I, I think, I don't know. I, my life has become a lot less stressful once I decided I no longer cared about the modern day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. I, 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 I reached that point. I, I reached that point right after Unity, and I'm just like, because even if they even if they improve it from where it is now, like I just realized that I was hanging on so much to the promise of the first three games, AC1, 2, and Brotherhood. And the, like, the modern day across those three games is so spectacular. I yeah. love it so much. And when at the end of Brotherhood, it's just like my head was just exploding with possibilities of like where this was going to go. And this was still when it was indicating towards Desmond being like this master assassin that would get his own game and everything. And I was just so invested in that and everything. And then since then, it's just been this... Um, and again, I don't know if this is because... Patrice left or if it just happens to coincide with it but like yeah. it's just been such it it's just it feels like it's been lacking a cohesive vision to me oh mm. for sure and it feels yeah. like it's just kind of lurching from place to place now and nobody really has a handle on it and I think you really need someone I, I'm guessing like Patrice or Corey or somebody that has that has a real vision for the modern day and is able to really get everybody behind it and to convince management like we need this budget we are going to commit to it because right now it's just this ah oh, I hate it because they're like uh you know Ubisoft does these surveys and it's like you know they're like well we're not going to make them it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost like or a cycle because it's like people say like oh we don't like the modern day um and then they're like okay well we're not going to put much effort into it and I'm like yeah, but like nobody likes the modern day because it's been shit for a long time. Like, because there's no you, effort. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like people don't like this version of the modern day. But if you, but if we actually got someone with like a really like cohesive vision for this modern day, and they, they had the budget to execute on what they wanted to, and and everybody on the team was behind it, because I've gotten the impression in the past, like just from talking to people, that like the modern day is almost as divisive within Ubisoft as it is with like the general public. You know, and so I feel like that kind of like apathy is not going to lead to a satisfying modern day. And I just and, and so I, I at some point after Unity, I'm like, look, even if they improve from Unity, and I think there's only you can only go up from Unity's <laughs> modern day. And so I'm like even if they improve from that, it's just never going to be the promise and what I what I really got invested in with the first three games. And so I think eventually we'll come around to a new third-person protagonist, but I think if they're ever going to really deliver a really satisfying modern-day thing, it's going to be still like a couple years off. And like I said, I think it needs to have that kind of all the things I just described yeah. before it'll actually happen. Um, as far as what were the other questions about uh, Des oh, So yeah, Desmond's son. Um, but just before oh, Desmond's son, Desmond's son. Yeah, Desmond's son. before we get uh, into Desmond's that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. I just wanted to just wanted to butt in there. Um, no problem. Yeah. Uh, so, with the modern day, do you think? I mean, like you said, it was something that was so great. I totally agree. And Revelations was it was okay, but but it felt more again like setting up to three, and then three just didn't yeah. deliver. I was yeah. of the opinion since Black Flag. Once they did Black Flag, I'm like, what the fuck was this first person shit? <laughs> like, this isn't a thing, is it? And then. I was pretty much had let go, and then you happened. I'm like, 
fuck this. They need to just get rid of it. Because <laughs> I don't... The thing about, you know, the modern day once was great, sure, and it's a cool concept, a cool universe, but if you don't put in any effort and you don't care about it, just don't do it. The most important thing to me is the ancestor storyline anyway. I don't need yeah. to have a modern day. I don't need cutscenes that interrupt that. If you make a good ancestor storyline, what's better than just playing as some time period assassin? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it should get rid of the modern day at all, like have nothing to do with the animus or anything, because it still lets you do some cool stuff with like the... Um, the Helix Rift in syndicates and stuff would not be possible without the framework of um, I, I think the it should... Animus of Modern Day. I mean, I guess you could have it like as a standalone chapter and just be like, oh, and this is what happened like, you know, 60 years later or whatever. But at the same time, I think it's really it still allows for some really cool elements where it's like this like this op this portal that's just open at the end of the Thames River and like Juno calls out to you. And I still love Juno so much. Like, yeah, I, she's. She's probably like the only thing left in the modern day that I'm really kind of curious about because I think she's kind of a fascinating character, even with the small amount of screen time she gets. Yeah. And like, she's so fucking creepy. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and like, she calls you in and um, like that. Part, I, I really love that kind of stuff. And so I don't know. I, I don't think they should get rid of it completely. But I at this point, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever they're going to do with it, I'm never really going to be fully happy with. I don't think so. Yeah, I should just. I'll let them do their thing and I'll enjoy the parts I do and ignore the parts I don't for the most part and mm. mainly focus on the if they can deliver a good like historical story I think you know and I agree though that they shouldn't get rid of like the animus stuff because I think that's all great but I mean the way I see it, getting rid of the Monday is just getting rid of the cutscenes and the interruptions spending that, time with it exactly I think yeah. it could just be like the disc we get and the way they play with the game is just you've just bought an Abstergo Industries game and you're entering an animus as the console, mm. and here we go. So you're in Anonymous, but where the player's in Anonymous, and we don't have to deal with anything outside of that? Yeah, like Liberation. Liberation was like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. So it's there, you're in Anonymous, and all those things are possible, but there's no interruptions, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, get, yeah. I totally see that point of view, too. Yeah. <laughs> where, were we, where were we going? Oh, the Desmond Sun um, thing. Desmond Sun thing, yeah. Um, uh, so if you want my opinion on the Desmond Sun thing, I... I'm kind of baffled that they're bringing it back in some way. And uh, I don't know, I, I won't spend too much time on this because I talk about it with Jeffrey because it was obviously a big point of <laughs> like a lot of fans were asking about this. So we talk about it a bit. Um, the first thing I'd note is that it's not necessarily Desmond's son, right? It's only his, um, his uh, patrilineal line, which is his father's. Um, they only talk about his father's blood bloodline which includes Ezio and Connor I believe and then some wild west thing that they're like teasing or whatever so it could easily be something like um, a half brother of Desmond it doesn't not have to be his son oh, controversial controversial <laughs> so mad <laughs> it, could, it, could, it could be a little brother of Desmond like not even a half brother maybe William True, Miles but, was it just does, like, but it doesn't I guess my thing is it's I'd rather it be a random stranger <laughs> than be a half brother I'm sorry, James is laughing because we've got we've had so we many know. arguments with other people about this, and I think William Miles, ladies' man. Yeah, I think the thing is, yeah, it's just because it's William Miles. Like we know about him and we know him, whereas it doesn't it doesn't make sense of him randomly having some son he doesn't know. Whereas Desmond ran off in New York as a bartender. You yeah. know, he has he had the lifestyle that it makes sense that there's an unexplained child, whereas William Miles doesn't. It would, to me, well, make more sense of it being someone that just has three similar 
you know, <laughs> relations, if that makes sense. Well, didn't, I think someone did the math and they were like, well, if De if this is Desmond's son and they're 10 years old right now, then like Desmond would have like fathered a child at 17 or something. Because Desmond is not that old at all. And like, I don't know if that's hey, exactly. Hey, how old was he in three? Was he like 26? Something like that was he? 20, I don't know. Twenty five. Yeah, he would have. He would have been seventeen when he when yeah. he fathered the child. But I mean, I mean, yeah. Remember I mean, being, totally remember being seventeen? So, no, so, so is William Miles being a total like man whore or whatever, or having like I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you know, like I'm not saying any of these like preclude it from happening. I just think it's interesting. Um, I the thing about Desmond's son is I brought this up with Jeffrey, so I won't go too much into it. But like, uh, I was under the impression that when Darby wrote the stuff in AC4 about. Um, Desmond explaining how he, when Clay like basically um, hugs him, saves him at the in Revelations that he transferred like he kind of transferred all these like visions of different calculations that first Sith people would see of the future basically, and in one of those futures he had a son right, and that was in my understanding was that was Darby's way of being like okay everybody keeps asking about this let's put this to rest like nothing's gonna happen with it like we can and all stop asking happened. that so so it's really interesting to me to see it come back up and it's <laughs> yeah it's been one of those things that's been on and off since like brotherhood when you have like yeah. subject 16 in the truth being like your son there's stuff and, like, from that know. that from the truth that's still there's a lot of stuff in there that's still playing out like notably the eve stuff as well yeah, yeah. Um, which is still getting um, lip service and liberation and dead kings. But like, um, so it's really weird for me to see it come back like this. And even if it doesn't end up being literally his son, it's they're definitely kind of like alluding to it. Like they know that the fans are going to be like, Desmond has a son. Is this the Desmond's son in the truth? And it just what worries like me about it, it is. I like it though. It's, it's yeah. nice. It's <laughs> nice to have something like this. Like even if it doesn't come up, yeah. which is like knowing knowing the the track record of the last couple of years, it won't. But at least it's good to have something feel like this again. Especially something back, like you said, from Brotherhood that had such a good modern day and the whole truth yeah. and everything. I've got. It's, it might be the craziest thing you've ever heard, and it might just be because you know you can kind of fit whatever theory you want in there for speculation purposes, because oh. some things just fit as you want. There's something I said to James. It's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, this thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But, but <laughs> and I thought, see, I thought of this before, but it's like, it's probably not a thing, but it fits. It fits just because I make it fit. Um, <laughs> in, in the Brotherhood Truth, you know, we, we assume it's Subject 16 talking to Desmond. Uh, it is Subject 16. Well... <laughs> is it though? This is where it gets a bit weird. Is it subject sixteen? I mean, well, I mean, it's his uh, consciousness. Is it uh, though? Is it sixteen yes. talking to him? Because when he says, it, it, when he says, <laughs> I'll just when he when Desmond says sixteen, hmm. it's a question mark. And you look at the start of Revelations. The first thing he says again to to Clay is sixteen question mark, and he goes in Revelations. He says, "Oh, they didn't tell yeah. you my name." Whereas in Brotherhood, he goes, yes, subject 17. <laughs> but, but, That's but all I'm not, saying, man. It's not like, Think it's about not it. like Clay is addressing Desmond. Like, like yeah, subject seven, su yeah, subject 17, you're right. Like, he's like, he's, it's as if Desmond asked him, like, subject 17. He's like, yeah, I'm subject 17 kind of thing. Like, clarifying yes, that he's yes. white, but said 17. Well, they're, like, they're definitely the same... Well, okay, so if it's not subject 16, then it's going to be a retcon. Let's put it that way. Like, I'm just saying... I mean, well, even, 
I'm just well, saying, even in that same speech, though, he tells Desmond to come find him in the darkness, right? And that's which a reference makes sense to, to Revelations, yeah. Yeah, which just and so like that alone speaks to the, the fact that they're the same. But like I, I could see how they could retcon it out of the way. But every time I've talked to the writers and we reference like Brotherhood and Clay and everything, there's never been any question that that's Clay. I think I, mean, I think it's an interesting idea, and I'm not saying they couldn't do that. Yes, but I think it would it would definitely be a retcon of what. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. It wasn't a. It wouldn't be a planned thing that they thought ahead of time. I'm just yeah. saying at this point, it's not like you they couldn't could. spin it off to being. It's not. It's not Desmond talking to sixteen. It's Desmond talking to Desmond. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's because I thought I... listening to it again. <laughs> just just pretend in your imagination that it's future dead, brain dead subject seventeen. From the future, okay. talking to Desmond, and then listen to it again, it might give you goosebumps. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Just for the fun of it. So wait, which one's future? The future one is subject 16? Yes. Is actually what I'm saying 17? is it's actually Desmond talking to Desmond. Okay. I'll, I'll look at that, and it'll be interesting, I think. It's just, it's just something I, fun to but do. I mean... I, I don't know if that would be any less of a crazy retcon as what they've been doing, like with the box, you know, from Embers and everything. <laughs> when now they're suddenly like, oh yeah, and suddenly it's a precursor artifact. Like, it totally can. Ha these kind of things can happen. And this was kind of the point I was making with Jeffrey actually um, when we were talking about. Um, I thought the, you know, like where I'm like, it seems like one writer was trying to resolve this, and now another one's trying to bring it back up. And like to me, the issue that that brings up to me and this also applies to the box is like it really feels like the t writing team isn't really on the same page as far no, as like the modern day goes you know what i mean like that's what that's what worries me like the most and if you want the modern day to succeed you need to have a really cohesive vision and narrative like the first three games had right yeah and like so that's what worried me and <laughs> jeffrey had a really funny response that um You'll have to listen to it because I think there's a lot of nuance in there. But what I got from it, like reading between the lines of what he said, he didn't actually say this. Yeah. Was he was basically like, <laughs> what I got from it was he was telling me, yeah, Darby might have done that, but like sometimes you just gotta fuck shit up to make an interesting story. <laughs> like, oh god. Yeah. You kind of like think where it's like you know, um, he was talking about the the other like. Some people, like, he, he doesn't think that it's a good story. You can't have good stories if you don't take risks. And if, like, certain brand people or other writers are, like, really miserly and, like, you can't change this because this is my plot thread or whatever. Jeffrey kind of likes to go and, like, um, mess with things and see what happens, you know, a little bit. And I really love that about him. Um, in Jeff this case, it makes it seem like, strange. I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, that, that's just what worries me. We'll see. I, we'll see where it goes. They definitely, he definitely indicated that it was, it's not just like some random reference that they're not going to revisit. It's definitely now a thing that they're going to follow up on. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it, it could did, be really cool. Jeffrey did Rogue, didn't he? No, Jeffrey did Brother, uh, Rogue was Richard Freese. Um, Who? Jeffrey, sorry, go ahead. I was just trying to remember, because I remember listening to your podcast, I'm not sure if it was the beginning of this year or the end of last year after Rogue came out, you were talking to the right, lead writer of Rogue, was it? Yeah, Richard. Yes, Richard. Okay, because he Jeffrey did about... Brotherhood, 
and Syndicate and Dead yeah. Kings and so a lot of the DLCs. He did Lost Archive, Da Vinci Disappearance, uh, yes, multiplayer yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Cause Sorry, I was, go ahead. Because I was curious with the whole box situation because I'm very interested in the box. I'm not sure if you know this, yeah. but box is <laughs> very important to me. And <laughs> the, the thing that frustrated me about the writer of Rogue was saying in the podcast, I think I'm getting this right, was that there could be multiple boxes. Oh, yeah, there definitely are and, multiple boxes. And that annoyed the shit out of me because... There's also multiple shrouds. They're just like, they're just like there's more of everything. Look, because <laughs> with Peace of Eden, I kind of got that from the beginning that there were lots. You know, from the first game, there was all these dots on the map. Whereas with the box, it mm -hmm. seemed like that one special thing. And the way it was written by whoever, maybe it was multiple people at the time, the way they moved it around, it just was like, this is the one box. It felt like for once they had a plan and then this one guy comes in and goes, yeah, but there's multiple. So it might be different ones. I'm like, are you serious, man? Because they're clearly, clearly from everything you've written, there isn't multiple boxes. You're just screwing yeah. it up right now. You the, personally are fucking it up. That made me so mad. So much hate. I don't know if I'd now. go that far. I think there were a lot of people involved with the different iterations oh. of the box. But, yeah. but like, I do think it's a little worrying in that respect, too. Because I think, honestly, uh, the impression I get is that actually the multiple Apple thing came out of... Um, that they kind of fucked up the that near the end of Brotherhood, they kind of messed up the timeline of the Apple. And the only way to explain it, that they could really explain it away, is if they wrote two Apples. And, and that's why, like, Ezio at the end is like, oh, another Apple. Like, um, because otherwise it didn't really make sense, I think. That's the impression I get anyway. And so it worries me if, if it starts becoming a thing where it's like, oh, like, if it's like this again, um, and it's like, oh, shit, like, our box timeline doesn't make up. Let's make them two, make two of them or something. <laughs> because cause you would think they would say, they would, it's like Ezio very clearly calls out that there's a second apple at the end of Revelations to kind of, like, wrap that up, right? Just be like, hey, everybody, like, this is... He's like, another apple? No, I've seen enough for one life. Um, they'd never do anything like that for the box. Like, it's literally just in the podcast that he's like, yeah, there's probably more uh. than one. I probably definitely am like, okay, I've just, like the box thing just not, drives me nuts, as you probably heard on the podcast. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, I'm, yeah I'm with so. you. I'm with you because I, <laughs> I had the theory of after Dead Kings and everything, I expected it to be in Syndicate. You know, after Rogue, what it did, and then, you know, um, Shade getting the box, and then in Dead Kings, I sp look, it's possible that it wasn't the box, but I spotted it in Napoleon's chest, his big massive chest, you see two shots of the box and what's possibly the manuscript in it, um, and it's just Yeah, there was a little it. bit, yeah, we, we were talking about that, and I think it was Gabe who was like, oh yeah, like it's in Unity or Dead Kings as well. And we were like, what? I don't know. It could have just been an Easter egg. Like, I don't know what the the head of St. Denis is doing in Syndicate. Like, some of these things might just be Easter eggs that someone threw in or without necessarily meaning it to be a big statement on the narrative of the series. I don't know. I'd, I don't I'd, know if you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I know um, what you mean. Because I, yeah, yeah. I just saw the with the box being in Dead Kings, you know, when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, it's, a, it's, oh my God, it's the box. You know, it looked exactly <laughs> like the box did in, um, in uh, I'm not sure if it was the, looked like the Rogue one or it looked like... Um, the original Ezio's one, I forget. I think it looked like Ezio's. Yeah, it looked like so, Ezio's, yeah. So I, I think it'll just be a lot easier on your brain if you just... Let it go. You know, it, no, no, <laughs> I mean, if you just if you just think of it as, you know... I feel like the box is actually one of the things that makes a little more sense to have multiple of, um, maybe more so than an apple. I know even, even the apple and the shroud. Like, they talk about how the shroud was like a combat medic 
tool basically or something like that and so that makes sense they have multiple but like the box is like if you say that the box is in purpose is to translate manuscripts and stuff like that then they're, they're probably going to have a ton of them like that if that is a precursor box that you see in dead kings or whatever it could, very well could just be a totally different one than that's true either of the other two that we've seen and it's just you know they keep one around with all their first civ documents because that's what you need to read them now i i think it's i i i i have no idea why it's a box that does this type of thing. Like, cause it's because that wasn't well, originally the idea. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> and they changed I, it. <laughs> yeah, and I brought it up with Richard. I'm like, why wouldn't, like, why did we have to reuse the box? Couldn't we just introduce a new thing? And he was like, oh, we don't want to introduce too many of these first like, first Civ artifacts. Oh, and then I was like, well, but, but it was never a first Civ artifact until suddenly it became one. Like, nobody th saw embers and thought that was a first Civ. That was my point. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it just seems really weird to me because boxes are meant to hold things. It's really weird for me that it's like that such a device, like if the first, like the first Civ constructs things pretty much like, like, I don't know, the Makes function, sense, yeah. form follows function for the most part. You know, yes, it's not correct. weird. And the box is like kind of an anomaly to me. It's, it's it doesn't really look like it's hard. It doesn't really look like it should be doing what it's doing, you know? I don't yeah. know. I it's think really it's... weird as well because Ezio gives it to Xiao Jun and he's like, oh, um, yeah. she goes to open it and he's like, only if you lose your way. Yeah. But it, it won't work because electricity wasn't invented. So how, yeah. she's going to open it and be like, this did nothing. Thank you so much, Ezio. Yeah. This was a waste of my time. Like, Yeah, I had a big... Yeah. I, I had a, I had a lot of problems with that too, and I brought him up. And and Richard was quick to point out it's not necessarily like electricity or lightning; it's a power source, quote unquote. So maybe like first sib have like special first sib batteries or something. Yeah, but like it still makes absolutely no sense. Like in uh, with what Ezio says, and it's so clearly like a retcon that this is God another point where I'm like, uh, this is why I'm not like Invested this is why this. I. I'm not as invested anymore in like the modern day stuff because like until they can show me like that they I really actually uh, until I'm convinced that they actually have a clear cohesive vision that everybody is behind like I cannot get invested or I'm going to go crazy like I think some of you guys are <laughs> I think the only reason I go crazy is because Ezio is the most important character to me in all my yeah. playing of video games he's the most important character I've ever played and it was the, they finished him up I was so happy that they did you know to me after playing Assassin's Creed 2 I expected them to move on and then you know you get brother and I'm like wow I'm just so grateful that I got two games of this character then there's three and then they do this follow-up video like I was just so yeah. happy that I got more than I ever you know could have asked for with that character but then to finish it off they give me one last thing to hold on to and it's the fucking box and then oh I thought you were gonna say the the Chronicles China voice appearance <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that, 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 that bothers me more than the box <laughs> see I didn't play oh, what did they do what did they do that for yeah see oh, I played oh. I didn't play I haven't played China yet um I think I'll wait till all of them are around and then just play them all um but yeah, I did see that it someone said you know you know Etsy is in the tutorial I'm like oh where did they get Roger and then I listened to it I was like I hate everything. <laughs> and, then, and then I saw that you did the video with uh, Roger. I was like, oh, thank God. They need to, Ubisoft just need to put that in the game now. Yeah. That's so, like, they, like why didn't they get him to do it? Like, you you got him to do it, but Ubisoft didn't? Like, <laughs> so, so I don't I don't have, like, the official word on this, but the impression that I've gotten from... Well, let's put it this way. Nobody hears that voice and says, 
like oh okay so sorry let me make another uh kind of analogy like you have two altairs right like two main altairs anyway ac1 and acr um philip shabazz and cass anvar and you can tell that cass was very much like a creative choice same with like subject 16 as well right he has two different voice actors um like you can tell that these are creative choices and if you ask fans which ones they prefer you'll get some sort of split and probably with the developers too um if you take roger craig smith and the fake guy that they don't <laughs> that nobody even knows the his fake real name. Guy, fake guy. Like if you, if you take fake Ezio and compare him to real Ezio, there is absolutely nobody amongst the fan or developers that hears that and it's like, you know what? I actually prefer uh, <laughs> chain smoking, like whatever. Chain smoking. Questionable, questionable origin accent uh, <laughs> like Ezio over the Roger Craig Smith Ezio, which is the one true Ezio. The so one like, true. yeah. You have to understand, like, a lot of the Ubisoft people that work on these games were not happy with <laughs> the fake Ezio. And so, like, it's not like this isn't like an official statement or anything, but everything I've heard and seen indicates to me that it was really just like, you know, they, they outsourced this to Climax Studios, a third party um, game development company. And I think, I think they're in the UK. I'm not sure. Um, and like they had oversight over a lot of stuff, but this just slipped by. It's in the tutorial, and, and you know maybe pissed. the stuff that, like, and like uh. maybe the stuff that they spot checked, you know, didn't include the tutorials. I don't know. And like by the time they notice it, it's you know whoever they could have replaced it, but whoever um, was in charge of that just didn't want to do it. And that re that's the part that really annoys me is once you find out, it's like either patch it before the game comes out. Or, you know, patch it after the game comes out. And yes, it's going to cost money. Of course, it's going to cost money to hire Roger, pay him. But it's not going to be that bad. You don't have to. It's not performance capture. It's not facial capture or anything. It's literally like what I did with Roger. You just have to record the lines. You don't have to sync it to anything. Um, so you're literally just replacing some sound files. And, okay, sorry. It's a little more complicated than that, but not too much in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And the thing that that bothers me about this type of thing when they don't fix it when they don't fix something like this where it clearly matters to a lot of fans but it's like the general populace doesn't really care you know that much but like it's it hurts us deeply it's an insult like <laughs> really deeply because it's it tells like to me anyway it tells like the message that that sends to me even though i know it's more nuanced than this but like my gut reaction is that the things that are important to me in this franchise are not important to the developers right like that's kind of like the feeling i get and i know that's yeah, not the case well. but um in this case anyway um and and, and overall you know it's, it's, there's always there's a lot of people with their hands in this franchise i think the the thing that i wish would happen in this case is uh, I don't know what kind of discussions went around, if there were any at all, about like trying to patch this in and then somebody shot it. I, this is all in my head, <laughs> but I'm kind of imagining maybe someone was like, hey, can we patch this in? And, this, and then someone made the decision like, no, of course not. That's going to cost money. Like it sucks, but we're going to put it out there and we'll learn for, from it for next time. But like from my perspective, it's like, look, this this franchise is basically Ubisoft's like life financial lifeblood. Correct, yeah. And it's like the fans have endured a lot with this series because of the annualization and the way that Ubisoft has been using it to make so much money that I think I don't think it's too much to ask that every once in a while and this is a totally crazy idea that is never going to happen at Ubisoft but like like from my perspective if I was in charge I would be like 
look, these these fans have made us a ton of money. It allows us to explore all these new IPs and these new franchises and make really like take risks in other areas and everything. And, you know, I don't think anybody would disagree that the series has suffered because of the annualization. I mean, there's other problems besides that, but it has Mm. and the number of games that have come out. So let's just like make a small gesture. Yes, it's going to cost a relatively small amount of money, but let's just do this patch for the fans and get Roger in and make this the real Ezio because, like, this is just such a silly, stupid mistake. Like, mm. and in the grand scheme of things, it's not much to... It's not that hard to fix, seriously. And, like... And, you know, it, but it's important. It's important to these people that have supported us. Like, that. that's, like, my perspective on it. And I, I understand that it's it's kind of... Like, it makes sense to me saying it to myself, but, like, if you said it, like, in a Ubisoft boardroom, like, you know, shareholders or whatever would probably be, like, fuck that. Like, yeah. you know, it's but... one voice in, you know, uh, in a side-scroller game. Who gives a fuck? But to these hardcore fans you know, like us, it's just this... Yeah. It feels like sometimes Ubisoft have this endless middle finger they're holding up to us, and that <laughs> little thing, that little thing was them putting the, the, the yeah. left hand up with the middle finger out as well. They're just like, here's the second I, one, you fucks. And I'm like, you sons so, of bitches. <laughs> I know it feels that way, but I, I like, I've met enough of these people and like, I have, I, at least I think I have a decent enough idea on how like these kind of things work out. Like it's, yeah. it's not like an intentional middle finger to the yeah, fans. Oh, I, I agree. I do agree. Fortunately, yeah. it's just... What happens? It's just too many people uh, having their hands in decisions, and it's I don't know. I <laughs> I think I think you're right it's with the like whole this. annualization and the fact that is that there's too many people involved and there's too many writers and there's not one creative vision, and it's because of that that they're really there's it it's suffered so much, and it's never I don't think it'll ever be the same ever. Unless they um, shrink the teams, unless it becomes, they take it back to, you know, it's not annual, it's one studio, like Montreal, and it's Mm. one team doing it. Whereas, as long as it's annual, as long as there's more than one studio doing it, it will never be the same again. Because it's just, it can't be when there's too many, you know, hands in the pot of creative decisions. It just will never be the same. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Well, you know what was interesting? Uh, I I thought this was an interesting idea when I read the Game Informer piece on Patrice. Um, that came out earlier this year, maybe like May or June, that talked about, you know, him, his time at Ubisoft and then at THQ and going back. And it mentioned that, um, you know, the first time Patrice left um, was of his own accord in 2010 in the middle of Brotherhood's development and that there were plans at that point, because this is right when they were annualizing the, the series. And they, the article mentions that they were t- there were talks to have him become like the creative director of the series, basically, and so that you would have these annualized oh. titles, you but then you me. would have like you know he would have and you know to be fair, Ubisoft has these types of people. I don't know if that's the exact title that they have, but they do have like brand people and like other people who are supposed to be in charge. Um, like Richard is uh, kind of in charge of making sure all the narrative stays together. But I think it's it's hard for me and. I, I sometimes I worry because um, there, there are these people that there are fans and other people who um, think some people put Patrice on a pedestal like in this series basically and attribute too much of this to him and like I can totally see that but like at the same time I don't want to discount what he brought to the series and like and what all the things that seem to have changed after he left even though he's not necessarily the only th- cause of those it's 
it's hard for me not to wonder what that might have been like. And if they, I think the key would have been like, would he have had actual like control as much creative freedom as like he would need to, to do things. Cause right now I don't know this franchise is so huge. It's, it's, it's massive between all the transmedia stuff. It's just, it, it's really hard. I think for one person to get a, to get a handle on all of it and make sure everything's uh, cohesive and, in the same universe and doesn't plays nicely with each other. I think that's a really tough job. It's I, <laughs> I don't envy the person that has to do it. Although I do kind of envy them in some ways, but <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I know what you I, mean. It has to be a really tough job, you know. Oh, uh, sorry guys. I'll be back in one sec. Someone's just hammering on the wall next to me. I'm gonna go tell them to fuck off. So be back in one sec. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, great, great. Yeah, I. No, there's something I want to ask you, but I'll, I guess I'll wait till. Yeah, well, sure. We'll like talk about, it, but I guess I'll wait till Tyler comes back about that. You know, the, on the stream yesterday we did, and you did, sorry. And I was talking about mm. people were talking about that whole Rising Sun thing mm. about like the guy who made up like this website, like he like photoshopped like a fake website and pretended it was a website, like scrolled down it and stuff, and was like, yeah. oh my god, look at this fake trailer, like saying like it was all real and everything to get views and stuff. Yeah, like it was. It was weird, and so I, many I somehow, I somehow totally missed that. Oh, <laughs> like I missed that entire weird. situation. It was so weird. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm back now. Oh, hi, hello. Yeah, hello. so I'm just keep talking about this rise and sun stuff. I'll chime in every little bit, but I'm just gonna keep my mic kind of muted in between stuff because this, this fucking guy's hammering above me. I thought it was behind me in my apartment yeah. building. I just went upstairs and was like, hey, bro, what's going on? I need, can you stop hammering? He's like, oh, I'll just be 15 minutes. i got to do this. I'm like, you fucking <laughs> serious, bro? So I'll just kind I, I don't of, think I've been... Well, it's not I bad. I haven't really I, been hearing yeah, it. Yeah, I can't really hear it, to be honest, either. You it's can't, you can't hear that. Okay. It's, it's really faint in the background, but it's not. Okay. Well, it's that's not, a, it's okay if it's faint. I would just really loud to me, so I assumed it was faint. super loud. Yeah, like, yeah, over the mic. It's it's faint. No, it's not. No one's gonna care. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. No, I I thought it was just like maybe you lightly tapping your finger on the desk or something. <laughs> like that's that's like what it sounds like over here. It doesn't. Yeah, sound yeah. Like okay, because I was getting, I was super angry talking to him. I was going up there like fuck this guy. <laughs> but you know i understand people have to work he's doing his job but yeah but continue assassin's creed fake rising sun trailer yeah rising sun so do you want to like do an official like start back in so you guys can cut out the yeah middle we'll, part of it? so what should we how do we how do we super professional we'll just do whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll 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 improv with what we've got no okay uh, sure yeah <laughs> okay so <laughs> so yeah rising sun um Tyler, do you know anything about, like, what's your knowledge of it? Well, the rumor, I guess, has been going on for ages of, you know, feudal Japan or some sort of um, Japan but that, setting. That, that video, though. Oh, that video. Oh, okay. The video. So the videos the video. popped up. Ethan found it, our friend Ethan, um, and he pretty much... Um, just pointed out saying, you know, it's fake and stuff. And I went and watched it and was pissed. Like, I was pissed about it. And I, and I, um, I said on there, I commented on their, um, video and I, um, and said, look, cause clearly these two guys, what they did was they acted like they're in a Skype call, just kind of chilling out, not, not an official like video or whatever. And one of them got sent, you know, some, you know, fully ranked up, 
um, what um, Uplay account, Uplay account that yeah, got access like, to have a look at future projects from Ubisoft, and they watched some trailer, which was just old Assassin's Creed game footage, and at the end there was some flash from like some samurai, and then it goes Assassin's Creed Rising Sun. And that was it. <laughs> and I was terribly done. And they were like, oh my god, I found it. Oh my oh my god. They're just going on and on. Did you get that on record, man? Yeah, like, oh my god, I got it. I got it. Oh my god. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. So I... <laughs> That so, sounds really cringeworthy. Yeah. I, I, mi- I missed all of this, by the way. Yeah. I, I've not seen or heard any of this before. <laughs> but so many people were buying it. So many people believed their video. Oh, and I just commented. I just wrote a huge paragraph because I had like a full... They made a website yeah, for it. They made a website for it with articles on it. And I just pointed out all the flaws. I was like, look, it's a bit sad because clearly you guys staged all of this. Like, it's not even you guys found a fake trailer. You guys staged all of this happening. Um, and I was like, it's really embarrassing for, you know, other, you know, people in the community that, you know, you're trying to represent a lot of us as well as, you know, active members and you're doing stuff like this, that's just trying to get clearly, you know, views and money and attention and that you put this terribly, I was just telling this terrible trailer, something I would make and I have no idea how to make one. (laughs) And I just said, look, it's horrible, first of all. And in their article, they're like, Patrice is the creative director. I said, Patrice hasn't worked for Ubisoft since 2010. <laughs> I'm like, you guys have... They spelled, like, everything wrong, and it was like, yeah, this this game's been in development since Assassin's Creed 2. Yes. And <laughs> I was saying all this stuff, and I just said, look, it's you're, you, you've embarrassed oh, yourselves, and you're honestly embarrassing, you know, a lot of community members and the hot community as a whole, and you're making people, you know, all these people like, oh, my God, it's fully legit, and they're saying... Someone's like, so you guys aren't faking this, run? They're like, you can't fake screen capture. I'm like, you, what are you guys talking about? So I made my comment and then all these other people, because a bunch of Ethan's videos circulated, you know, between James and myself and other friends we have in the community. Then I got mad. I got mad because we all commented, like, these are these things. And, like, rather than them, like, be, like th- th- what they did was essentially removed all our comments that were saying it was fake. They just took, they just removed all of our comments and I was like, okay, I'm mad. So I made a video about it being like, this is, this is bullshit. Let's just, you know, just do like, I was, I was mad about it. Right? <laughs> and so everyone ended up going over there. The video got like 300 dislikes and like the comments were just spammed. Oh man. Mad. And this, then they just say, disabled- video doesn't seem like it's worth, even that <laughs> honestly, I'd probably just laugh and like the comments and likes. And I was like, Oh, Okay. You got, you got some hate for that, though, James, because, I mean, like, I, I, I guess I, I agree with you, Luma. Like, I commented what I wanted to comment on it, and I said my thing. They just deleted my comment and disabled comments and stuff, and I was like, you know, well, whatever. Now, people are going to know for sure if they can't comment on a video. They know it's fake, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, yeah, well, yeah, clearly... Yeah, exactly. They're not, they're not fooling the majority of people. Like, nobody's actually going to pick this up, like in a major story or anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> From what I hear, anyway. I don't know. It sounds... It, <laughs> it sounds, sounds pretty like, ridiculous. It's d- like a silly, like, some people just fucking around and... Yeah. Like, eh. <laughs> yeah, look, look, to the... To the to younger people, like if I was, you know, I don't know, five yeah. years ago, you know, during Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood time, I might have believed that sort of stuff. Like, it wasn't that sure. bad, but it's the little things that they just totally fucked up. And I was like, okay, this is... Sure. Me now, I'm like, that was really bad and I'm embarrassed for you guys. But it's really fun, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it was worth the that energy. But James, James is <laughs> I was a mad. No, James I was is mad. a knee jerker, the reactor, and he just he was super mad. Yeah, no, I I think like a while, like at some point earlier in my life, I probably would have also just been. But like I, <laughs> I think as as I've gotten older, and I don't know, this sounds weird, but like 
Um, I, I just learn what is worth putting uh, investing effort in kind of that makes me happier. Yeah. And it's just like, in this case, it just sounds silly. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's, one, it's one of those things. It's one of those things. And I mean, I don't know if the video is still up. I haven't even thought about yes. it. But I mean, you know, there's no, you can't. I check you... every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Your life is consumed. <laughs> yeah, it's taken over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah, I... But speaking of, I guess this is a good segue since we're talking about future games. Where Love do you when it works out like this. Yeah, well, it's perfect. This is professionalism, unplanned professionalism. <laughs> um, where do you think the next game is gonna is gonna be? Do you know? I feel. Do you know things we don't? So I, I well, unfortunately, like I, I think I mentioned on one of my live streams that I do know like where the next game is. So I can't really. Yeah, like someone told me. Someone was right. like, someone was like, Newman knows the next saying, ask him. I'm like, yeah, can you tell us? I didn't mean it to be like a thing, but it was like somebody, it was just like, sometimes when I'm in the middle of playing stuff, I don't have enough time to think about what I'm saying before. And someone was like, oh, like, where do you think the next one's going to be? And I'm like, well, I shouldn't, like, I shouldn't really say anything because I know where it's going to be. And now, 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 like, everyone's like, oh my God, Luminous, the next one is. And I'm like, well, okay, but I'm not going to say anything, obviously. Not only because I'm under ND, is I'm under NDA, but also like, um, because it was part of like when I went to Ubisoft for the uh, uh, Unity launch, um, but also because like that's just you know fans, you guys know as fans like that's just yeah that would just be horrible to like, yeah, spoil that yeah. anyway. Uh, so I I won't tell you what I think it'll be, but a question I get a lot that I answer on my live streams is like where I would like to see, um, uh, yep. in the games, and I would love to just see. Um, any of the locations that are in Chronicles, in Chronicles games, as actual open world, like yeah. living, breathing, yeah, you know, areas, and it it kind of bothers me that um, all these games so far have been so America, you know, the Americas and Eurocentric, um, and I'm really ready for like going into Asia and like Africa or even Australia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Look, I, I love my country. I'm very proud of my country, but yeah, right. no, thank you. That is not a good setting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just really, after you know, Unity and and Syndicate were both very. Um, I talked to this a little bit about Stephen Tatillo, the editor in chief of Kotaku, who is. I literally just put out the podcast with him like two hours ago. Um, and we were talking about this, and he really likes the games where there's more like exploration. And uh, like the wilderness of AC3, the, the ocean and the forests of AC4, like the North Atlantic of Rogue and the River Valley and stuff like that. And he really feels like the franchise, like, like that's where the franchise has the most room to grow, um, like in terms of really making a next step. And it's not really these big single cities that we're going to see a lot of evolution in the series. And I, I can kind of see that. And so I would just really like to see... Um, at least in the future, uh, if not the next one, then the future ones, like more folk, you know, just not in a major European city. Um, yeah. Just some, yeah. a different feel. And I do love the cities. I do want them to come back to it. But like for now, I, I think we're due for something like it would be really nice to have something like AC4 where you do have cities, but there's also all this stuff in between them. The cities are almost kind of... Uh, kind of secondary to all the other stuff almost. So I, I would love to see s something really fresh. 
well, I mean, at this in, point. In that case, Australia might not be a bad setting if that's where they're going, if they're going for the yeah. exploration. I mean, that would be very different because the landscape of Australia is very different to the landscape of most other countries, you know. It doesn't... Yeah. You go out, yeah. you know, when you're out... You know, because you, you did, you've been to Italy and everything, and I did, mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to tell you this ever since you, so you came out with the Pilgrimage series, and I wasn't, mm. I didn't know you were making it until like it, you know, you, you released it, obviously, um, but I knew you went to the cities. You released the first episode when I was in Italy filming. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Italy. I was like, oh, I'll film this stuff and everything and I'll put out some videos. Like, And then I see yours. I'm like, Luma beats me to it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, <laughs> like that's so great. episode oh, of no, I, I totally think you should still um, absolutely put out your own videos. I, I mean, like one thing I've always kind of... Um, I, for a long time, I worried about... Um, like when I ha- had the Assassin's Den podcast and everything, I was like... I don't want I don't want people to avoid making their own podcast just because they're because of some reason like um oh well Loomer's going to interview this person so I don't need to interview this person or I or I shouldn't make a podcast and for a long time I was really worried about that because really? um, it's only been in the last year or two that like you guys Animus Island there was the official Assassin's Creed pod- like that we've actually seen actually more um, Assassin's Creed community like fan podcasts come out and I'm like really happy to see that because my podcast should not be like the canonical like only one for multiple reasons and not the least of which is because I don't dedicate nearly as much time as it would deserve if we really wanted to say that it was the like it's just ridiculous and like even i i'm i'm a really strong believer that like um it's like in almost every case it's really cool to see other people tackle the same subject you know up to a certain degree i mean obviously if you had a hundred people doing these types of videos it's probably you're not going to get a whole lot out of the hundred and first video of rome but like i think it's still really useful i listened to um uh, Emily Reese does a podcast about video game soundtracks and she used to work for, I think it was Minnesota NPR. And now she has her own thing with Patreon and, and, and a new podcast. That's the same thing, but, um, not affiliated with, um, sorry, not NPR, just Minnesota, NPR, Minnesota public radio, I guess. Um, and she is, uh, like super professional and we've interviewed some of the same, um, composers because she interviews across the entire video games industry, whereas I pretty much solely focus on Assassin's Creed stuff. Yeah. And so then we'll have some overlap. Like we both interviewed Lauren Balf, um, The Flights, who did the AC4 multiplayer, um, Olivier Derivier. Um, and I love listening to her podcasts, even though I've already interviewed the person because she comes at it from like a different angle. Like she's very much more... Um, she's, she's, she knows way more about music and like kind of music theory and like the technical aspects of it than I do. Um, whereas I can see like in mind, I approach it from like the, and, and the questions that I solicit from the community approach it, not like as a student of music, um, or whatever, but it's like, Hey, we're like Assassin's Creed fans. Like yeah. which moment was, and it, and they lead to different discussions and there's like little bits of overlap, but like, I love that, um, it's the same that we that I get that extra perspective that I would never be able to give, and I think it's the same with like um, some people have uh, done videos similar to the pilgrimage stuff, both before and after my stuff, uh, before my series came out, and like all of them have their own uh, you know 
unique kind of benefits and and perks and i i just really hope that um yeah like uh, for all these things that it just because i'm doing something doesn't mean like somebody else is uh being discouraged from it i hope anyway so yeah. i don't know i say you should still do it but well, well i um, mean i think this is <laughs> this goes to show for me who's watched you for a long long time on your channel yeah. and from talking to you now this is why the community loves you because Genuinely, one of the nicest people I've ever, I think I've ever talked to. You know, to say to be that you know selfless oh, and say something so like that. Yeah, sorry, James. Um, to say <laughs> something like to say something like that instead. Whereas, like you know, there's the other channels and people you know I've talked to, and you know, even me and James can do it. Where we're just like we want to be at the top. We want to do this and that and that, and you know, we might be a bit more selfish. Whereas you, you're, you know, you're at the top of your game and you're still like, no, nah, but I want, you know, you want everyone else to grow as well as you, you know? Yeah. And that's something that's really well, I mean, cool talking to you about it all. I, I'm <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like there is like a little, uh, like, I think especially when I was starting out too, um, it, there, there definitely is like, I'm not going to lie. There is like a part of me that sometimes is like, oh, I want to be, like the very best at this and like it's really tempting to make that like at the detriment of other people it's like okay so like well not not like in explicit terms like that but like in the idea of like well i'm going to interview this person no one else is going to but then like you very quickly kind of like squash that and be like what are you like yeah you step back step back from like the kind of instinctive reaction at least what maybe like what i used to when i was like younger and growing up uh sorry not growing up with this but like you know just um feeling my way around it and everything and it's just really like not it's it becomes really apparent very quickly that that's just stupid and yeah. like really selfish not and not the way because like you know everybody everybody starts from somewhere and i've seen so many cool things from the community it's like it's enough to immediately quash like any sense of that um immediately because people just make so much cool stuff in this community it's really awesome yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, very cool. And I mean, I did, I just approached it differently. I did put out the videos of my trip because I didn't go to mm. everywhere that, you know, Ezio was. I went to Rome, Florence, Venice, but I did like, I went to like Naples and stuff and I just did, you know, an sure. Italy trip and I just filmed where I could. I just approached it in a different way. I just did kind of highlight videos and I did it in like a podcast format with the friend I went with and we just sat down and talked about the trip and then just put over footage of places and Assassin's Creed comparisons. Uh, so it's just a bit of a different, it's just a different way to do it. And I thought for me yeah, it was better anyway, because I just filmed, I didn't really f film as maybe as much as I would have liked. So I was just kind of like, it was good for us to just talk about our trip and then what our reaction to seeing things that were in Assassin's Creed. And, you know, for me, it's just, I found that easier, I think for myself. So I think it was a blessing for me to see yours and be like, oh, I want to do something a bit different to that. So yeah still, yeah still and I, good for me <laughs> yeah i'll have to check it out at some point and but i mean like everybody's um and i like i'm totally cool with even if it's a case where um like somebody is inspired and wants to do something really similar to something i've done like that's totally cool because like that's that's just how it works like with these types of things like everything is inspired by everything and like there's not really a whole lot of original ideas and it's like all the cool stuff comes from building like i i feel like people should really be kind of shameless in most ways unless you're doing an identical ripoff of something like you should really be shameless about being inspired by other projects or ideas i've certainly that's certainly been the case for me like throughout the history of my channel <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> james did you want to um 
to uh, fan theories. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let us delve in to the fan theories that our community gives us. Um, so we like we we've done this a couple of times where we've gone through fan theories. I think was it we've done like twice. Twice. Right. We yeah. did one, we did one on our own, then we did one when we had Joe on. Um, and so we asked the community, give us, give us some of your theories about Assassin's Creed. Like, where do you think it's heading? Where do you think, like, what do you think is going on? And we get some really great ones, but also we get some really, really funny ones. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so it's just great. So, uh, shall I, shall I pick them at random? Yes. I've also like, you... just, I've also got two, one from Dr. Order, one from Big Q Okay. Well. So those, so those are going to be good then. So yes. there's going to be decent um okay so we've got let's let's have a look so like, pretty pretty much luma we've just got to respond like our thoughts on these theories like do we think they're plausible okay. or do we think they're just fucking retarded like essentially like when it's like okay man we appreciate what you said but might want to read for effort it. a for effort <laughs> f maybe for execution but, yeah, yeah. Thank, <laughs> we appreciate it um well, we've all, we've got one here saying that Jack Irvin is Jacob, and we've already already talked about that. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's necessarily like a dumb theory. I would be really disappointed if it actually happened, though. And you, I think you can tell, like in the trailers and everything, that Ubisoft's kind of playing around with the idea too. Even though I don't think that's the case, like that that it's actually going to be Jacob. You can, I think, he, I get the sense that they know it's going to be a theory, and that they don't mind feeding it a little bit and toying with the fans of it. Well, um, but yeah, I I really hope it's, yeah, if I've, it does end up being true, I'm just gonna flip tables because that is yeah. insane. Like, yeah, cannot justify. It doesn't make his sense. Actions like that. anyway. Sorry, go ahead. I do wonder though, yeah, like, what? Why oh, is it? Where? Why is it just Evie? I'm not talking about. I'm not at all feeding this theory. It's not. I know it's not Jacob, yeah. but like, why is it just Evie? What was the creative choice yeah. of that to feed that theory, even though it's ridiculous? We'll have to find out. I mean, certainly it does help feed it because the natural question is, oh, you're playing as Evie, where's Jacob? Like, that's the very obvious yeah, thing to ask. Yeah, he turns into it. a psychopath that murders and mutilates yeah. women. But then, yeah, well, I, I think it's a very natural train of thought to then be like, oh, wait a minute. Like, we never really figured out who Jack was. They could make Jack the Ripper Jacob. Like, what if that... Like, I think it's actually really a really yeah. common train of thought. And so that's why I think they're kind of having fun with it a well, little bit. As except far as for tell. in the World War One storyline, <laughs> you know, you have Jacob's granddaughter and in that storyline, she took Jacob and Evie out of London <laughs> during the war. Like, unless like suddenly he was brainwashed uh... and Evie <laughs> saves him and he doesn't pay for any of his crimes. <laughs> I, I think that's a very strong argument for it not being Jacob. But at the same time, I think to, to know that you would have to like read through the database entries. And so you're talking about like a, secret area that not everybody's going to go to True. anyway and then yeah, even yeah. fewer people are going to the database so i think it's something they can play around with even if it ends up being that they had the the you know proof that it wasn't him in plain sight you know what i mean it certainly hasn't stopped the rest of the community from speculating so we'll see how it plays out i don't yeah i mean like i said earlier i i have no idea what to expect from this <laughs> true very true yeah right um so i've got another one i think this is going to be uh um, yeah, we're just going to read it. Um, so he he goes, he starts off with, Desmond's son is subject 19 from AC the Fall comic books. Here's the reason why we have the Helix machine. My bet is the assassins will learn of this in the next game whilst in the modern day of the... 
whilst in the modern day of the era it is set in. Okay, the game after will be uh, will be sent after the kid and play as Galena. The kid goes goes to the past and and learns the modern. <laughs> Calm down, man. Learns, I'm so sorry. Um, and learns the modern ways of the ones before us. The modern ways goes, of the ones. Oh, so you mean because he has, he's yeah. this age? He goes even further back mm. and kills Juno. Oh, he's talking about fucking time travel. Um, okay. Uh, where Arnold Schwarzenegger uh. voice? Where's Juno? Get to the flying spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, solar flare! Because Nolan Borth reported of a time traveling Desmond. <laughs> Well, I mean, Time traveling Desmond. Right. Desmond is have... subject sixteen confirmed in Brotherhood. <laughs> I think I can spot at least a couple flaws with this theory. <laughs> time traveling back in time and killing Juno. <laughs> a, few, a few things. I don't know about That's that. It seems pretty, you know, ironclad theory to me. It's not the worst one we've had. To, to, to be fair, it's not the worst one we've had. That's, that's no, it's not that bad at all. That's solid. That's pretty solid I mean, compared to some of the it's others. It's funny how it kind of starts out, like, really, um, <laughs> before he lets, before he just, the, the, or he or she just drops all semblance of trying to keep a straight face while writing this and just goes, like, nuts. Um, He's just like, I'll come I mean, up with a good I, one and then, oh, fuck this, let's just put it in Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, at the at the very base level, I think at the very beginning of that, like, it's not, a, I don't think it could be a Subject 19 type situation because they, the audio file in Syndicate says, like, oh, we just literally found this kid and we're going to keep our hands off of him and wait, basically, right? Yeah. And that that kind of immediately kind of rips out the, the, the floor from underneath the whole theory at the beginning, but, I mean... It's really creative. <laughs> well, spe- something I thought, speaking of the Desmond Sun thing, that James and I have talked about, just wanted to get your thoughts on. Let's let's just say, for argument's sake, I mean, you, like you said, you know where the next game is, but for argument's sake, let's say Desmond Sun is the next game they introduce this Desmond Sun. You know, similar to Desmond, maybe he's captured by Abstergo. Maybe he's they're making him relive memories. He's not sure what's going on. Maybe he's captured. Maybe he's just kind of going in there. You know, he's brought into that facility. And... Someone was saying to me, someone made a comment that I kind of built off a little, and it was that they wanted a remastered version of the Desmond ancestors, like, you know, I'll tell you Ezio O'Connor. And to do that, I thought you could do it in a way in which is similar to the Master Chief Collection, where you progress the modern day story, but you get the remastered version, where you kind of progress some sort of story, it's built around what they're trying to achieve, but it's mm-hmm. one year they get to do something different. So let's yeah. say in the like next... Give you, give you an excuse to relive these memories again, and this time it's all remastered and stuff, basically. Ex- exactly. Right. So this time it'd be, you know, Desmond's son, let's say in the next game, plays as a new character, yada, yada. But the game after that's the one, the 10 years since um, um, yeah. AC1. And that you do the yeah. whole remastered of, let's say, all the Desmond games... But what it is, is you just start off and you're just where, let's say, you left off and you're Desmond's son in that facility room and you can just jump in the Animus wherever you want and pick which ancestor you want to play. Do you want to play Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood, huh. Revelations, or 3? So it's just one disc, all the games, and you're Desmond's son replaying him. And instead of Subject 16 glyphs, it could be Subject 17 glyphs. Huh. Interesting. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, that's 
kind of like an extra step beyond what I think most people would expect. I mean, usually you would just throw the remastered games out and be yeah. like, yeah, it's just the old game, but with a shinier coat of paint or whatever. I think there's also kind of like a difference between, um, I, I've said on my streams before, like, um, I kind of try to draw, draw a distinction between remasters and remakes. And so remaster to me would be like, oh, like we took the Ezio trilogy and made it 1080p, 60 frames a second. Which I'm And like with. maybe Im improved like, made some of the textures crisper, but like everything is pretty much the same. Like remake is like the Final Fantasy VII remake. Or in this case, it would be basically taking the Unity slash Syndicate engine, rebuilding Florence, redoing all the cinematics with like full performance capture, but keeping the basics of the story and most of like the mission structure and everything, but it's, you know, very much feels like a different game. Yeah. And that would be interesting. <laughs> uh, I think just because of how ho dearly well, close I hold those games, it worries me because you could, there's a potential there. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but a potential to lose, lose something. Uh, I don't know. I see. I'm I'm of the, the, the mindset that nothing's really that sacred in this type of situation. And, you know, if they do, I would, I would like to, see, I would rather see them do a remake than a remaster. I would love to see full one-to-one -one scale buildings in Italy and like this amazing, I mean, the, the Unity and Syndicate engine is beautiful. It's, it's one of the best next-gen engines that I've seen so far. I would love to see um, Florence, Venice, Rome, yeah. like all these places like that. And like, and just, it, it would just be so cool. And if it's, and if stuff is lost, I mean, there are, it doesn't mean the old games cease to exist. Like that's, that's kind true. of my. That's true. I, I know some people. It's it's different, right? Like, I, I think like you could take like the Star Wars prequels as kind of like a really good example of this. Like people are like George Lucas, like raped my childhood or whatever, and it's like <laughs> I'm I'm George of the opinion that it's. Well, no, I mean like that's, I've heard that so many yeah, times. Yeah, true, right? true. And, yeah. It's, and it's like, and to me, it's like well. You know, uh, I don't know. Like, the, the old movies still exist. I can see where they're coming from, but, like, from my perspective, I'm able to kind of disassociate myself from it, like, in that case. So I would love to see them take a risk and actually like, remake it. I don't think they would actually do that, but, like, I, I would be really surprised if they did. Yeah. So I, I think, I, I don't know. I, that doesn't really answer what you were talking about. Sorry, <laughs> the Desmond something. I think that's a really cool uh, idea, and I was, I was just kind of thinking out loud if, like, it would make more sense for the, if you had his son go into like this upgraded animus right because a lot of times yeah. you can explain stuff with the animus it's like oh altier doesn't have desmond's face anymore because we upgraded the animus like you could <laughs> yeah. you yeah. could potentially do the same thing right it's like hey we got a better representation of the city as it was now that we've upgraded the the animus and Definitely. stuff like i think that could be really cool you know i'm all about these types of things where you work in narrative reasons for things that don't usually have it <laughs> as i said earlier in the podcast i think that's a cool idea yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good point. There's a lot you can explain away. I mean, I'd be happy with them just chucking them on next gen. Like, I get that, but I mean, a remake yeah. would be very interesting to see what everything would look like, especially yeah. on that, um, you know, Unity Syndicate engine. I mean, wow. Just thinking about that, yeah. it would look very cool. Very it cool. Would be. Yeah. I, I think it would be. It might end up being divisive, but I think most people, if you just announced it and showed some screenshots and everything, and you reassured people, it's like, yes, this Roger Craig Smith back as Ezio and all that. Like all the original cast is returning. Don't worry, we're just making it more beautiful and like applying a next gen coat of paint with the new parkour controls and everything. I think, I think a lot of people would, a lot of fans would be like, this looks really cool. And then when it comes out, it might be a little divisive. But I, I don't know. I don't ever, I really don't expect them to do that, but that's always been kind of my dream of what I would want to see for the old games, you know? Yeah. 
James, you ready with... Have you found another great one, a great theory? I, I looked through them and they're all pretty okay, so it's kind of boring. So I'd say if we're going to go with a good one, go with uh, Ordal. Okay, I'll do Ordal's <laughs> first. So he's he sent me... This is weeks ago when we were supposed to do... When we had Super Rebel on and we were supposed to do fan theories, but Super oh, Rebel doesn't yeah. play Assassin's Creed, Luma, so... We just ended up talking so much shit about, you know, anything. It was the most ridiculous podcast I've ever been a part of or even listened to. It was amazing. That like, one was great. It was funny because it was, oh, it was ridiculous. Something you should never do. He's like, everyone send in what would you rathers. And just imagine the internet doing <laughs> oh, that. Oh, we had a rap battle as well. Oh, it was, he tried it to was do a so... rap battle live and it was just hilariously <laughs> oh <my> bad. <laughs> it was so funny. It was amazing. Sounds awesome. Um... <laughs> So it's the Assassin's Creed Syndicate World War One Rift Theory. This is Dr. Oh, Ordal, um, a, um, a friend of ours, community member, who has a lot, very knowledgeable with all the lore and everything, and always mm. has lots of theories on stuff. So I haven't even read this, to be honest with you. I just oh, ass- I- It's Dr. Ordal, so I assume it's you know, pretty good. Um, or very interesting at the, at the least. So in the World War One Rift, Juno talks to you explaining some of the first Civ history. But why does she do this? Why would she want to tell you this? Or is it an exposition for the sake of exposition? Well, let's look at what she says at the end of the rift, after you complete the last mission where you kill the spy master slash sage. The man Lydia Fried killed was my husband, Aita Reborn, known in your time as a sage. Thank you for discovering his fate. His pattern will be added to my own. The pattern she is talking about sounds very similar to the blueprints Consus talked about that are found inside people. The Shroud uses these to replicate and heal damage uh, that the user has sustained, but why would she need it? Uh, then there's the next page. Well, if we look at sages, they are just people with a high first civ DNA level, which she visions through their life of Aida's memories. Therefore, if she could collect his memories, in theory, she could re- revive him in a first Civ body, i.e. I- the ones Abstergo are growing in the Phoenix Project, um, which we know Juno is planning to use for herself. The reason that she needs to, um, to find multiple sages is that they don't have the same memories, therefore, um, to catch them all. I'm not sure if that's a Pokemon reference. I know Ordal has Pokemon. <laughs> of course it is. It's um, Ordal. Yeah. Of course it is. Um, you need to find... Ordal wants to be the very best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need to find multiple sages and thus recreate Aida's consciousness. Like Clay said in Revelations, what is a man but the sum of his memories? The whole point of the World War One rift was to bait you by telling you the um, ISU's history... So that you would find the Isu. sage there. What's the Isu's history? I'm not sure what that was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. They, the the, yeah, sorry. It's, that, that's their official. Like, they, they finally introduced, like, the actual yeah, like, name of that race. There. Oh, really? Isu's we're history? Close. I have no idea what that was. I'm like, I don't even know yeah. how to pronounce that. I'm going to just say Isu. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, so, yeah, so that you would find the sage there. In the end, she got what she wanted. Aida's memories ready for her. And his return to physical form. After all, it was Consus that said, "He who is the image of Aita will he will herald her return." Mm. That is really good, actually. Good job, Doctor <laughs> Good job. 
interesting. That yeah, is really, really in depth. That, yeah. that lines up a lot with Ooh. what I had kind of assumed was going on with uh, her collecting the sage patterns and everything. I, it wasn't really clear to me if she was collecting it so that she could have a fursive body to inhabit. That's the thing that I, I'm not 100% clear on is if this fursive body that they're constructing out of sage blood. It seemed to me like the the um, Absurdo is just kind of sequencing the the triple helix or whatever, and I don't think that's necessarily associated with Aida. Like, the, if these people would come out as Aida, or if they would be just kind of like, I don't know, just like some weird fursive clone or whatever. And so I can't tell if she's wanting a body for herself or if she's trying to bring Aida back into the world, you know, like... As, I think not as a sage, but as like an actual Isu person. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's what she's. I think because like you said with the last little quote, where it's like the thing that Aita will herald her return or something like that is like I think what she's trying to do is collect all of his memories so she can perfectly because Abstergo are trying to like sequence like the triple helix and everything and create like these first sieve things. So I think Juno is using Abstergo so that she can get Aita to come back so that he can get her to come back. And yeah. then I don't know what the next part of the plan is, but I I feel like that's 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 where that's going. Well, see, that's the thing that confuses me because originally, like an AC4 Juno is trying to get a body, right? And yeah. they kind of imply she can just go into a human body, right? Like that's what that's the, that's the whole thing that that John from IT was trying to get you to do. Yeah. And like in a very expositiony way, he's like, ah, oh, this didn't work yet. She was supposed to go in your body, and like. You know, Juno's like, oh, I'm not powerful enough yet. And then she, like, fades away. And But yeah. then, like, in Unity or whatever, they kind of imply, I forget where exactly. It might have been in, like, one of these collected data things from the Helix or something. They kind of imply that she kind of has given up on that plan and is mm. now trying to bring everybody into the gray with her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, she's got 16 um, and Desmond, doesn't she? She said that in, in Unity in one of those... Yeah, things. Uh, yeah, they kind of make some weird reference to that, and I'm choosing to ignore that until it becomes an actual issue. Um, fair <laughs> enough. Fair, very fair enough. Yep. <laughs> I find it's easier on my brain that way. Um, and so I, it's weird to me that I can't. Sometimes I, I have trouble discerning her motivations because, like, I can't tell if she's originally she was trying to go into a human body. Now she's just trying to bring people into the internet with her, basically. Um, or she might want a first Civ body, you know, like kind of Age of Ultron style. She's like, I don't want this fucking shitty body. I'm going to make the best body and then go into that. Or if she's just trying to bring Aida back, which was probably the most likely scenario, um, like the, the theorist said. But it's, I, I, it feels like I don't know if I quite... I, I, it's unclear to me whether Juno is trying to what unleashing Juno actually means at this point, because she definitely has the presence and ability to affect the world. And if they're talking about a physical presence, then why is there all this talk about her bringing people into the gray with her? And why does she say at the very end, you know, I will save us all, which kind of um, I, I don't know. She kind of tells uh, Violet that she'll spare her. And so it, it sounds like she's going to really mess up the world, but it's not clear to me that she needs a, a physical body to do that. In fact, it sounds like the people that she's saving, all the followers, are the ones being taken into the gray. You know, they're all talking, like in AC4 and everything, they're like, like, take us with you, into, bring us into the gray, like, we'll follow you into the gray and stuff like that. So it sounds like 
she's not really planning to make a physical return to me sometimes. And I'm having a little trouble figuring out what's going on with Juno <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, yeah I always assumed she was really for kind of human control, like it, like re-enslaving the humans. I always assumed that because like Minerva was kind of like against that whole thing. But then Juno was like, no, these like, you know, they're slaves and stuff. Like, why are you giving them free will? Like, I feel like that's what she was going to do. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing anymore. Yeah, it's tough. And you can't really believe anything she says either, because she talks about um, in the World War One riff, she talks about like, hey, we need not be enemies. Like, blah, blah, blah. And like one of the things I find really the one I, I really love Juno as a character. And one thing. I find really fascinating about her that I was talking a little bit about with Jeffrey in the podcast is that she has this um, side that she usually projects out that's very um, almost motherly, but also very kind of like a benevolent mm -hmm. goddess type vibe. And but like deep down, she is fucking vicious. And like like Jeffrey was saying, like she doesn't really show her fangs all that much. And it's kind of exciting when you get glimpses of that. And so one of my favorite moments that um, I haven't really talked about with a lot of people and I haven't seen discussed a lot is at the end of Assassin's Creed 3 when Desmond has to make his choice, right? And um, both Minerva and Juno are trying to like um, convince him to do one or the other. And I very vividly remember Juno telling Desmond, like, it'll be over in an instant. It won't hurt at all or whatever like she's just yeah. so like it will save the world or whatever and then when desmond actually makes that choice it is not over in an instant he's very <laughs> clearly in pain and i don't think that was a mistake like like a writing yeah. mistake or something i see that as like a very kind of almost subtle way of being like like juno yeah wow you so she can con like she can kind of convince you like on the outside that she is like the good guy very kind of uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, but she is, like, deep down, like, she still harbors, like, she does not give a fuck about you if you are a human. Like, and so that's, uh, that's part of why I find her so fascinating is because she has this really kind of, like, dark side that comes out every once in a while, but not in really overt ways. And so I find it really, I, I kind of view when she says, we need not be enemies, and if, like, the greatest assassin of your time, maybe you should think about, like, hey, we could be at peace. Yeah. And deep down, I'm like, do not trust her. You do not trust this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, so, like I said earlier, like Juno is the main thing that I'm still like really fascinated about with the modern day these days. So I'm curious to see, yeah, exactly what her motives are and how this is going to play out with Aita and, and these, these first Civ um, <laughs> Resident Evil style bodies they have growing in Abstergo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think it's a great theory, by the way. I think it's most, I think it's, it sounds pretty spot on to what I had assumed was going on based on like what Juno had said and everything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. All normally is he's normally good with these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah most, yeah, normally yeah, most of the time I will just give him shit. <laughs> he knows <what> <laughs> um, I have another one from, um, BQ overlord. Um, Brendan sent in a is theory. Is this going to be a theory about it being set in Australia by any chance? No, it's not. He has sent oh, me those because he's Jesus because he's Christ. he's Australian and he sent me those before, which I love because he's he's done drawings and stuff and he sent them to me and I think it's really awesome. Um, but that's because I'm he, like him. I'm also very biased because I'm from Australia. Yeah. So I'd... and for people like me, it's like yeah, just just fuck off, Tyler. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hey, Tyler, just for sure relax. We're not going to Australia. I'm like oh please, no. But this one is actually a, a King Arthur setting. 
Okay. It's he. He's talking about how he thinks it would work. I think I've read through it like a couple weeks ago because yeah, again, we, when we were supposed to do fan theories and we didn't, like I've got a few. Um, so I think because I don't actually know the history of the you know King Arthur story or anything like. So I am not well informed on this and how well it's this like would the fit whole anyway. Excalibur thing. Like I know, the, I know it vaguely. I saw the cartoon Disney cartoon as a kid, but I don't really remember oh, well, you much. Know, <laughs> you know everything. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he sent in, oh God, the hammering started again. Um, <laughs> what is he doing? Was, like building a cabinet? Well, uh, the, when I went in, cause I walked into the, uh, the apartment he was in, I just walked straight in and was like, Hey man, <laughs> um, and I think the carpet's gone. So he's renovating it, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, mm. so anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'll get into the theory. Um, so, uh, just sending in an idea for the podcast, Lady of the Lake and Excalibur Theory is what it's he's calling it. So in the Assassin's Creed universe, King Arthur existed and was mentioned in AC2. I don't I don't remember. I have no idea. Um, King Arthur was said to have been in possession of the Sword of Eden. Merlin. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Merlin once used it too, but refused to use it. Merlin once used. I'm assuming Merlin had it and refused to use it, and last it. Um. Last it into a stone at the bottom of a frozen lake. Okay, so, like, I guess it's put the Sword of Eden into a frozen lake, or hit it. I guess it's where he hit it. Um, mm. If you want to follow the legend of King Arthur, it could follow both the events of Merlin and Arthur with the sword. This could be an ancestor from um, when Merlin was young, and a grandson or son of that character. We would see the rise of Merlin, King Arthur becoming king the beginning of the Order of the Round Table and the war between the Saxons and Arthur, an obsession with magic and the Holy Grail, um, Morgana and Guineva, I think that Guineva bitch fight, I don't know who those people are. I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. <laughs> Finally, the Lady of the Lake could be the first civilization member pulling the strings, as in the legend she was the one who gave the sword to Merlin and Arthur, in the end, the sword would make Arthur go mad. Excalibur was said to be mystical and talk to Arthur even so. This could be an interesting setting for the series. This would basically be a medieval England setting, Kingdom of Albion setting. Uh, this would bring the series back to its roots and could be an extremely beautiful and interesting setting. This could mean so much. What do you guys think? Lots of love, Biku Overlord, a.k.a. Brendan Quinlan. Uh, I think that sounds super awesome. I, you know, I, I remember a little bit about like the the mentions of King Arthur and like the glyphs and stuff. Um, but you don't really hear people bring it up when they talk about, you know, where they want the series to go or whatever. And you know, now that I think about it, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, now that I think about it, I hear the theory and everything. I I really love that idea. Um, I think it would be really cool. Mm. I'm all on board for that. And yeah, I agree. That sounds cool. It does sound pretty interesting. I don't know much about the history there. Like, I wish I did because I'm. I was yeah, me neither. Right. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, and you get you get a little taste of like a medieval setting in um, the the prologue to Unity, even though it's in France and not England. Um, not only in the prologue, but also you know you go back to the medieval times and one oh, yeah, of the rift, the, the yeah. rift, the third rift, basically. And ah, I, I like the prologue more than the rift, but I could totally see how you could. Um, do a really beautiful... I, I think it would have to be different from that um, because 
uh, I don't know when you when you think of like if you, if you want to go with like kind of the his, the usual depictions of King Arthur and everything, it it doesn't bring to mind like these really dark and stormy type things that um, the prologue and the war of the of the rift. Did. But I could see like some really beautiful countrysides and um, castles and everything. I think that would be really cool. Well, yeah, you've you've won me over there because I was sitting and thinking, ah, oh, where but where would you what would you climb? Where would what cities would there be as well as it? But beautiful countryside and castles would be. Yeah. Imagine you, the assassinations of trying to you know, infiltrate castles and stuff. Like that's such a cool yeah. part of the the games. Yeah, and I think it would definitely be one of those games that's not just set in one city it would be you know with like a lot of countryside in between yeah, and yeah. stuff to make the most of it but i could totally see that working and oh we can do get some, horses back do some yeah you get horses and <laughs> um <laughs> james and you do really horses, by the way if, yeah. if you didn't know and <laughs> <laughs> nice and and just like the stuff in the glyph says like you already have like a blueprint for a lot of this stuff and i really enjoy the parts of the game where they explain that modern, I, I'm sorry, um, kind of myths from long ago, um, actually in a lot of ways actually happened. Like, you know, Moses part of the Red Sea with the Staff of Eden type thing. I think that's really cool. And I think the, the medieval like King Arthur legend is, you know, widely known enough that you could have a lot of real fun kind of showing scenes and showing how they were actually achieved with pieces of Eden. And um, I think that's, I, I really like that idea a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, so yeah. there's so many aspects yeah. to it that I could see, but also not being someone who knows much about the history, I, I'm not sure how far you could go, but there's definitely a great setting in there. There's definitely some interesting first Civ stuff you could chuck in there. And I mean, yeah. a different. it's something different. Like you said, you wanted something fresh in the future. I mean, do you, James, do you know much about all the history of King Arthur? I mean, you're British. You should know all this. You should be an no. expert. No. No, nah, genuinely, I don't know anything. Like, I mean, I, yeah, like you, I watched the Disney cartoon. But other than that, <laughs> nothing. Huh. I think what would be really interesting with that setting is if, um, uh, you know, like the stuff like Unity and Syndicate and stuff, it's you have pieces of Eden, but they're kind of just used at the very end. They're kind of just the MacGuffins um, yeah. that you that drive the plot forward. Um, but because like the King Arthur stuff is so much more kind of like legend and it's set further back where you don't have as much like historical record and stuff, I think it would be really cool to have one that's kind of, um, you know, these pieces of Eden are not just something you're working towards and maybe you see it at the very end, but they're kind of used throughout the entire story. And that'd be like a really big departure from the, the current games, which are very largely, um, you know, the kind of historical uh, nothing too first civvy until you get to the very end. But I think it would be kind of interesting to go through and kind of pl like play through some of these um, myths and show them with pieces of Eden and have them play a much more active role um, in the story like throughout the entire thing. I think that would be a really nice change of pace and um, it works within the, the legends that everybody knows, you know, more because, you know, you don't hear legends of ladies in the lake and swords in the stone of Victorian London, but you do in this era. So you can totally, you have a bit more freedom, I think, to go a little more fantastical, I think, with the first Civ aspect. I would, that's what I would love to see from that. I really like this idea a lot. Yeah, yeah, you can you can play around more when you've got settings that aren't as recent. So like we've had yeah. like Unity and Syndicate, 
and even AC4 and 3 and stuff like that, but, like, when we had, like, AC1 and, like, even, like, the SEO trilogy, like, though you could play around more with those and have more fun with it because we don't know as much about those sayings. Like, especially, like, the Third Crusade, like, they could they could have way much more creative freedom with that because we don't know as much, and that's I think that's the same with this. Like, you've got, like, the basis of the myths, but since, like, it's so far back, like, they could have a lot of fun with it. And I think yeah. that makes it more interesting. And they also just have so many relics that are rife for being pieces of Eden, you know, with the Holy Grail and the Sword of Eden, um, you know, like King Arthur's sword and like plenty more, right? Like you could very easily fit those in more. I think it could be a nice change of pace and do something really cool. I would love to see that. Hmm. It's now it's now in one of my top settings I want to see, to be honest. It's one of the ho- <laughs> that's one of the ones up there. One of the ones up there. Yeah, I'll have to think about more, but I, yeah, me too a little bit. I hadn't thought about it before. That's a good theory. I like that. To not, because I don't want to put you on the spot and be like, hey, Luma, just, just tell us next year's setting or anything. But this oh, is no. just, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah, I know, I know. But um. but something I was just kind of going to put out there, and obviously if it was right, you couldn't respond. So probably if I'm wrong, still don't respond. But um, uh. just for the sake of it. But I was like, when we were talking about in Syndicate and with the DLC, Evie's the only one there. So I'm thinking, where's Jacob? Mm. Is it possible? Because they're doing the whole Western thing. You're hinting at that for so long. Has yeah, Jacob yeah. gone to gone to America at this time, at this age? And he's and he's going all Red Dead Redemption on us? Texas is cowboy. Texas is oh. cowboy. See, oh. <laughs> so yeah, I've interviewed enough writers at Ubisoft to know like exactly how they would respond like to something like this. And it's like, well, you know, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was great. Oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that's good. And that tells you like nothing. It tells me nothing. It's just like, oh no, what a great perfect great job, Tyler. Great job. <laughs> we'll stick it right here, right oh, on the okay. refrigerator. <laughs> oh yeah, well uh, that's 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 just an idea. I was like, oh possible, but then they never really do um same characters anymore twice which is a bit of a shame is that something you want to see again characters getting multiple games uh i don't know it's a it's tricky because i mean i think i I totally understand why they're switching up the characters because it's it's one of their biggest defense it's it's one of their biggest ways of keeping the series fresh even though they're doing it annually right and by the time we hit Revelations, I was getting a little tired of that seal as much as I love that seal. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, I don't. I'm not super happy with the current situation where it's like every year comes along, they introduce someone, and they don't really provide any closure or resolution. And maybe we were just spoiled with Altair and Ezio because they closed those two out so nicely. But now it kind of leaves everybody wanting for you know. You know, we've been waiting to hear about Connor since 2012, and they keep have kind of we, teasing that. Have we been that. waiting? Have we been waiting? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Connor again? <laughs> don't, don't remember. Um, and, like, it's just... I feel like there's kind of a problem right now where uh, I'm not convinced that... Uh, I kind of feel like there there will be some characters that it's either going to take a really long time for them to provide closure, or they might just not... Tell Never. us at all, because every year they're introducing a new person, and they introduce a new person that they're that fans will eventually want to know what happens to. And so, I think it's good to, um, uh, I think it's good that they're changing up 
the protagonists every year. I would like to see a little more in the way of like rogue style stuff where you see where you see them again every once in a while in ways that make sense. Um, you don't necessarily have to play as them, but uh, I do like seeing recurring characters a little bit more than we have been, I think. And it would be nice if we knew whether to expect closure for every single protagonist that they introduce in this series or if we should just not be invested in that anymore. I think they set the bar kind of high with Altair and Ezio, unfortunately. And so now it's like, you know, we don't know what happens to Arno. We don't know what happens to Shay, Connor. Um, Edward is like, you know, the twins. Like, Edward's pretty much the only person we know, and it's not really that satisfying the way they released it. And so I guess it leaves open the possibility for stuff in the future. But right now it's kind of just, it makes me a little less invested in the characters, I think. A little bit. Yeah, um, that's I love what, the twins. That's all I think so, as well. It's one so of those things. It's I, I would, tough. Yeah. So I don't think we necessarily need to see an Ezio trilogy type thing return, but I would like to see. I think, I, I think it's good to have changing protagonists, but I would like to see a little more attention paid to tying them together and tying up loose ends with them a little bit, or make it clear that that's not what we should expect. I would, I'd be okay with that too because it's tough. It's tough to. You don't want it to feel forced either, like to have like, oh, and then Connor bumped into Shay on while he's walking down the road, like, you know, something <laughs> like that. something like that. You know, it's it's really tricky. So it's yeah, I, I would want a little more, though, uh, recurring stuff. James, what did you say? Where do you think it's going to be next year? Have we talked about where you think it's going to be next year? Because you've heard me. I go on and on about oh, it all the time. No. Yeah, you are just all for it being about the movie, right? Like tying in with the movie. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm all about Like, I don't want you just that. You just think that. Like, That's you just think what I that. expect like, to happen. Because yeah, yeah. Well, I did a video this week, um, Luma, and I talked about why I think the game's going to relate to the movie. Again, obviously, you can't comment. But... Just I, there, like, I look, you fucking idiot. Yeah, I, I just look at all the past things that Ubisoft have done with Assassin's Creed. They make three. They also have to release a Vita game. You know, they want to take advantage of the release of the Vita, so they do another game. But it relates to three. It's not, you know, the same character or anything, but, you know, same setting, same world. They meet, you know, you had Pirates, the app that came out with Black Flag. You had um, Lineage, the movie that came out with Assassin's Creed 2. Rogue and Unity had to connect somehow, even for a little ways, and I just kind of look at all that track record, and I say, well, if you're going to release a movie in 2016, I don't think the game's going to be, th you know, the game version of the movie, but I think it could be the son or the father or a side character that is involved in that world, and it somehow relates and affects or is affected by the movie. That's all I think. Mm. Just makes sense marketing-wise to market them together somehow. It's interesting. I actually have no idea. If that's the case or not. Like, if there's any ties or whatever. I think that's an interesting idea, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, personally... Like, <laughs> Tells us I, nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, did, I did think originally that it would be something to do with the movie, but I'm kind of, oh, it's like, staying away from that. Like, I don't think the setting will be Spain. I don't think... Um, I don't even know. I don't know about time period. Like, I feel like if if it has anything to the movie, I feel like it's something that the character does in the game that will have something to do with the movie. Like, they'll leave an artifact somewhere and it'll have something to do with the movie, or like they'll find an artifact that's been left in the movie. Hopefully not, because I want it to be set like not in recent history, because I'm sick of it now. But I think it'll have maybe something relating to it. But I think they'll choose a different setting. Like, we've had like I don't know, like China, India. 
uh, Japan, or like a lot of fans have wanted Egypt for a while, which I think is cool, but I don't think it's something they'll do too soon. soon I think yeah. they'll do it in the future, but yeah. So I'm, I'm heading more towards China, Japan, possibly India, but I think China or Japan is probably... That's just where I see it going next. Well, if mm. you're talking about how the movie can relate to um, the game, then, like you said, James, if you're talking about they leave something behind to do something. Well, if you're talking about yeah. Spain at that time, it's around the time they discovered the New World, right, in the 15, 1400s. Um, and yeah. if that's the case, you know, being whether it be in, you know, South America or wherever, you know, could have left something there, somehow been one of those first people over there, and then let's say you had an Old West game next year with Jacob, just, for, just throwing that out there for hypothetical, and then he could find something and be in that area. So that's, I mean, that's something, but I mean... It's a bit. Mm. I'm just kind of. That's just kind of a hot. Yeah, you're really, you really, you really, you seem to be really for this now, Tyler. An old west setting. No, I'm you're not just, for. An, I'm just yeah, saying you, you hypothetically. Like you're in love with it. Hypothetically speaking, from what we've already been talking about, you know, I. But I think I just am so positive that it'll somehow relate to it. I'm of the position that it'll relate to it heavily in the sense of time period, but I might be wrong. But I'm so certain it'll at least, like you said, affect it somehow, even if it's just a small you know, nod to it. It's just what yeah. Ubisoft does. I'm actually anticipating, and this isn't based, this is just based on my own, like, conjecture, not, like, any official information or whatever, but exactly I... what BPR said before he <laughs> leaked everything. Um, no, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, um, but, like, personally, just, like, from the way they've been setting up these games and everything, I, I kind of expect the modern days to link up more than the historical aspects. You know what I mean? Yeah. between movie and game. I think that's way more likely. Um, but when there's no modern but day... I don't know. It could be very much uh, the game has a strong uh, historical tie to it as well. Sorry, what were you saying, Tyler? No, I get, I get, I get what you mean. But with the, the only thing I was thinking was more of marketing sense. It's like they don't market the modern day when they talk about Assassin's Creed other than when the hardcore fans want to see yeah. it. So in terms of marketing, how can they market a link between the two? I guess the reason I think it's going to relate mm. to it is just because they want, to, they want to sell them both the same way they wanted to sell Liberations is something I go to heavily because to me, the selling point of Liberations was there's so much hype for Assassin's Creed 3 and like if you want to buy Assassin's Creed 3, if you have a video, you have to buy Liberations because it, it's, the, you know, it's the portable version of it. It's, that, it's just as good, it's a different character though and but at the same time period with all those new features. To me, the selling point to, to it would be you'd market it and be like, you know, this is the father of the main character of the movie, or this is mm. the son of the main character of the movie, or this is the best friend or some other assassin that met him and stuff, you know? You're able to market them yep. together. That's the only thing I was thinking. It's I felt that's how they marketed Unity and Rogue together was, you know, they relate to each other. There's something that links the two games, even though it wasn't that... Yeah. Well, it was pretty big, but, you know, it, I, th I expected maybe a little bit more. But, you know, mm. that's kind of how they market it. And I see... I as well think modern day makes more sense to link, but how do you market that as a as a yep. as a product? Totally, yeah. No, you you bring up a lot of good points. It'll be it's from a marketing perspective. I hadn't thought about that before. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, totally agree. Mm. More uh, theories, James, or is um? I don't. Nah, they're all kind of nah. 
We've got like one Desmond <laughs> is hiding under a tree. Um, <laughs> someone talks about uh, the whole remastered versions, uh, like bringing out the Ezio trilogy remastered, whatever. Uh, Desmond's consciousness is trapped inside Desmond the dog. <laughs> someone said in the next game we'll play as Desmond the dog and we get to explore yes. the life of our like, dog ancestors or something. Like, oh, that would be so I cool. I never thought, if you were to put a dog into the Animus, can you relive dog <laughs> Like, that would that fuck work? that dog up so or much. It... He's so confused. <laughs> they'll start like writing symbols on the wall, like bloody paw prints that end up as glyphs. Um... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Oh. I would love to see more Desmond the Dog references in future games <laughs> or something. That destroyed oh. me. That destroyed me. That was hilarious. Oh, oh so I guess we might um might wrap it up here then. I mean, we've been, go- we've been going for a while. Wow. Over two hours. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll let you get back to it, Luma. We know you're a busy man, and we really appreciate your time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks again for having me on here. It was really fun. It was great to chat about a lot of this stuff they don't usually get to thinking about or chatting about. <laughs> it's really cool. Keep up the good work on the podcast, for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you. For sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is the <laughs> last one of... Um, this this is the last one of 2015, right, James? This is it. Yeah, this yeah, it's the last one of 2015. I just want to say to everybody uh, watching on the 22nd of December at 11 a.m. <laughs> GMT, plugs. the 24-hour live stream is going to be taking place playing Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, doing all the stuff in that. So come along. It'll be on this channel. Well, if you're watching it on my channel, then it's this channel, the the network Lasers Network channel. But if it's on Tyler's, then it's the Lasers Network channel, obviously. <laughs> same channel i don't know why i said that um but yeah that's a thing so everyone know about that there we go now we've got the plugin out of the way yep yeah so i mean <laughs> what i i'm my head's spinning with the how crazy this year's been especially yeah. with this podcast this has been my favorite thing to do on youtube that i've ever done it's kept me doing youtube videos to be honest and how mm. how much it's kind of grown and changed within 12 months and the the great guests we've had and I'm, it feels full circle to me personally to finish the year off with Luma, you know, who has such a huge Assassin's Creed podcast, someone that I know has inspired James and I in a lot of ways with our channels and um, to have him as a guest, you know, it's just one of those really cool things to finish the year off. And I hope everyone's, you know, really enjoyed the discussion. I know how much everyone loves this sort of stuff as well. So again yeah, yeah. my pleasure yeah. <laughs> no Th- problem yeah. let me know if you want to chat again too and oh. i'm happy to hear that i've done my i've been inspired by so many other like creators and the games themselves and the people who worked on them I'm, it's flattering and cool to hear mm-hmm. that like you know you can kind of pass that on in a way in, yeah in some small way you know <laughs> yeah exactly man yeah. and i'd love to have you on again i know yeah i'll, I'll yeah, just absolutely. speak for james you know i'm sure he does too <laughs> Right yeah, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> like, there's a bunch of guests we obviously want to go on again, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, no problem at all. Great, phenomenal, phenomenal. So, okay. I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. Obviously, if you're not for some reason subscribed to Luma's channel, go and do that. And obviously, to James <laughs> and myself, you know, we thank you all for the tremendous support this year. And um, I'll, I'll leave it to James to finish us off. Yeah, and uh, as always, uh, buy our merch. Link in the description. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been cool. Um, and we'll see you next year for the for the next episode of Kill Connor Club. There we go. So I'll see you later. Bye.
Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. There we go. Cool.